everyone, welcome to Point of Origin episode number 40, the podcast where I cannot believe my joke about the Sagan box was right. <sighs> no, there has to be a better way. I mean, okay, here, so there's a lot that annoys me about it. Like, there's a lot of little things that annoys me about the ending scene to this episode, but the biggest one is Jack's insistence, or the show's insistence in calling the fucking... IDC, a GDO, which stands for Garage Door yeah, Opener, by I the way. Yeah, I noticed that, and I'm it's like, like, but, but, but <laughs> you yourselves, this is obviously a, a victim, I think, of that weird order of episodes. Well, I think what it is is that, like, I don't know if this is a long-term thing, but I know when Cooper used the term IDC, he was talking about IDC code. So maybe, well, yeah, like, the it's... device is the GDO, and it sends an IDC code. Yeah, because it's the um, iris deactivation code. That's literally, I, I learned that because I used to think it was identification code. The thing is, Jack isn't wrong like with what it is. It is a garage door opener because it opens the iris. I, I'm not, I'm not against it. It's just, it just, it's those little things like where, like, for example, when you set in lore and then flip flop it, it's kind of like how they introduced the concept of Kelnorim last episode. It'd be funny, like, it'd be like doing that and then from here on out. It'd be like if they had a different word they also used for his meditation, and then they introduced Kelnarim, and then decided to just kind of, like, go back and forth. It's like, okay, I get it. They were calling it GDO, and then the lore was introduced that it's called an IDC, and then we're just gonna not actually standardize that for, like, I'm guessing a whole season. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's not I'm like just... I'm gonna die, but it's just the little things that annoy me in life. Not to mention, by the way, Hulu... I cannot stress this enough. You guys need to get better subtitlists because uh, this person couldn't spell shit to save their life. And I'm not even going to bother going into detail. Just watch it on subtitles. You'll notice that nothing is fucking consistent. I do want to say, and I didn't hear it for this episode, so I don't know if it's the case, but I do distinctly remember that last episode, uh, there was a an announcement before the episode aired, like, you know, one of those, like, S- Disclaimer <laughs> things or whatever? yeah. Where they specifically said that, like, I don't remember the exact wording, but they more or less said that the subtitles were from MGM. Uh, okay, fine. Hulu, I take it back. I'm sorry for insulting your standard of work. That being said, I would, I don't know, I would appreciate it. If, like, here's the thing. If you're going to host something, I would just, I, I get that you cannot possibly go through every single bit of all the content you pay to host. That would be insane. God, no. I get that. But I feel like over time you could have like a moderator, like a content moderator whose job is literally to go through this kind of shit because, you know, people who are hard of hearing deserve good things too. <laughs> so just because MGM did a shit job doesn't mean that, you know, Hulu has to continue it. But yeah, well, let's do this. Oh, right. I'm Mel. And I am Liz. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so uh, today we're covering season two, episode 18. Serpent Song. Dude, only 10 more episodes until we hit 50 episodes. I know you told me that our marker is like 53 for a year's worth of like content, but yeah. 50 for me is halfway to 100, so that's like a big fucking deal for me, so I'm, I'm excited. And it's only 53 because we accidentally had to put out episode 20 <laughs> twice. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, not. I, I, I'm. Eric told me to not feel so bad about it, and I'm just gonna like just feel embarrassed about it for like a year, and then I'll get over it. 
Listen, you know what? It was so I remember around that time we kept messing up the order. Oh, of the I yeah, no, I know what happened. Fact, yeah, it's just sad. It's because back then we had the whole problem with like, you know, we obviously in season 1 we also had the movie, but then yeah. there was also the fact that if you look on Wikipedia, Children of the Gods is split into two episodes and we only did it in one. So like so trying to figure out what order we what you know, what number we were on, we got really confused around that time. We weren't being yeah. as we weren't being as careful with keeping track yeah, of what episode no, we were I, recording I, back then. Because we were new. We didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> the worst part is, Mel, you you were logged on the other day when I accidentally almost uploaded the wrong yes. fucking episode. <laughs> you watched me go, upload, wait, stop, cancel, wrong. Episode 39, that is the one I actually want to upload. What the fuck? And I texted you, and I literally saw you like, yeah, I was like, uh, Liz, what are you doing? <laughs> yes! That was so funny because I'm like, but wait, yes, I that's still not the episode do number it. I need. What well, are you doing, Liz? <laughs> Listen, ultimately, we both failed that because you did the mix-up and then I didn't check it. Yeah. So I guess there's that. So only 10 more episodes until we hit episode 50. I'm so excited. Dude, my only real note for this episode is how much I love Daniel in it. Oh, he's so good. Here's the thing. It's actually just not Kathy a bad Powers episode in general. She might not be I'm... able to write Sam, but she can write Daniel very well. Okay, so you know, you I'm guessing most people know that Twilight is, you know, popular for a reason, and that is, for example, of, of the many things, is there's a kind of creepy, toxic... Uh, mentality out there in the world of like what love is and it's yeah. you know that possessiveness that kind of thing i know they were probably going for something else but the way that the go world are as a whole mm-hmm. and the way that up until now apophis's relationship with um amanette has been portrayed theirs didn't seem like an equal footing kind of relationship you know no. she definitely seemed like afraid of him you know so, no i don't it, disagree with you right so what kills me is this still seems like a Catherine Powers episode because there's just a couple of elements of just not great in it. But oh, it's yeah. portrayed no, as definitely. a good thing. And yeah. it's like, I I get that, honestly, in this episode, this one wasn't like one where he was going on about, like, how, about how it's good that his wife is afraid of him. That's not even an element mentioned in it. However, if you're doing writing for an episode, you should be taking into account what this character has done and said in other episodes. You know, that should be part of your content creation here. Mm-hmm. So, I don't care how much this guy rides in pain and screams out for his lost love. She seemed more like your property up until now, less like your love. And so that's yep. just, you know, I'm seeing her going like, oh, yeah, the abuser is in love and misses his punching bag. Woo. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Like, I fucking care. No, like, here's the thing. There, I, I'm not, I'm not going to bring it up yet, but there is a distinct moment where I'm like, Cool, Catherine. <laughs> cool, Catherine. With- yeah, there's a couple of those. But I gotta say, you're not wrong on this not being, like, a terrible... This is not her usual fare. Yeah. Uh, so on that on that matter, uh, this episode is written by Catherine Powers. Yes. But it's directed, it's directed by... by uh, Peter DeLuise. I know why I love Peter DeLuise. Do you know who Peter DeLuise is? I'm blanking. Okay, so there's a few things you might know him from. I'm sure from this show, you'll remember him in a second. He plays Sam's kind of weird boyfriend later on, the guy who buys her a house. Oh my god, him? <laughs> He's also, in real life, Dom DeLuise's son. Okay. He's Ergo's son. He also, for some people, they may know him. Um, I did see him in this, but it was my sister's show more than mine. I was on record, I did not watch The Wizards of Waverly Place. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to make that clear. Um, not that it's a bad show, I just, it wasn't my thing. Yeah. 
but yeah, my sister loved that show, and I used to I used to love walking in and going, "Hey, that's Sam's boyfriend," because it was the dad from Wizards of Waverly Place, otherwise known as Peter DeLuise. So yeah, he actually he was a huge director in Stargate. So get used to seeing his name. Aside from like Robert C. Cooper, um, actually he's more writer than director. Duh. Um, <laughs> well, I was gonna just my, my my thing was aside from Robert C. Cooper, there's really not a name other than like the main show writers who shows up the most. I think he has he just shows up a lot on screen, not just because he tends to guest star as the show goes on, but yeah. because he directs a lot of episodes. And I I have to say. My first thought, I was like, I, I, up until about halfway through this episode, I was pretty determined to remember it as a garbage episode. And then, like, halfway through, I was kind of like, oh, I guess it really just isn't that bad. Okay, cool. But what kills me is my first thought was like, oh, god damn it, this is my intro to him directing, and this is her bad at, this is such a shit episode for that. And as I kept going through, I kept going, no, I'm just seeing lots of Peter DeLuise in this. This is pretty good. This is not bad. Yeah, there's, there's definitely one, like, it was just good directing overall. I, I'm apologizing to you right now, Liz. I'm probably hitting the desk a lot because this is an awkward position for a me. A new mic position for you. Yeah. I mean, Every time I test a new thing, people get to hear it. I, I'm pretty sure I don't even need to add disclaimers anymore for myself. I think people who are like, if they're long-term listeners, can tell the episodes where I'm trying a new mic position because it's the one where <laughs> all of a sudden all my words are interspersed with bump, 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 because I'm trying something new and not succeeding. Yeah, listen, ultimately it's all in an effort to make the episode sound better and better. And go. it's going to sound worse at first because we're right. trying to fix things, you know? Right. <laughs> but sorry, what I was going to say was um, I enjoyed I, – the visuals were good overall. There's definitely I do love that cool intro scene, shot. There's definitely one scene in particular where I was like, ooh, this is a really good shot, you know? Yeah, he did a couple of good ones. I, um, here's the thing. I was primed – to be extra annoyed by directing choices today because last night Eric and I finally got um, the last of our boxes unpacked, which was like the last of our DVDs and our vinyl collection. Uh-huh. And I found my motion picture Star Trek vinyls. So I popped out because I love Goldsmith's music. Oh my God, is he good? <laughs> <laughs> and First Contact is by far my best, is their best movie, my favorite movie of them. I love Insurrection, but it's basically just a long episode. First Contact is just a really good story, but its soundtrack is fucking amazing. And then, like, halfway through, I realized, as I always do every time I listen to the music, I looked over at Eric and went, Babe, do you want to watch Star Trek tonight? <laughs> so then we watched First Contact, and the whole reason why I brought this up is First Contact was directed by Jonathan Frakes, and he does such a good job. Oh, my God. I love how well First Contact is directed. There's a lot of stupid little continuity errors, including that one story I told you about where there's that guy clearly waiting behind Barkley waiting for his cue because he starts moving after Barkley walks away. I've told you uh -huh. that story. That's from First Contact. <laughs> it's got its errors, but it has a couple of these great tracking shots where it's just the crew kind of like storming towards the camera as they're talking. And it's really, really tense and dramatic, but it's also really flowing. And it's in a hallway and it's framed so perfectly. And the thing is that whole movie was so well directed it really primed me for like oh my god i'm just like i'm in good director mode so i'm gonna see every single thing i fucking hate <laughs> in this show coming up because you know television doesn't do it nearly the same way and honestly i was actually pleasantly surprised that's my whole story it gets really intense just it, it, i did it on purpose it gets really intense just for me to go so i was ready to fucking rage and instead i was like oh it's actually no this is pretty good peter deluise knows what he's doing I mean, it wasn't like it was full of, you know, Jonathan Frakes with a motion picture budget level of directing. Don't get me wrong. But especially as, like, I think this is, like, considering how this was the first show, I like how I said I think as if this this could be possibly anything else. <sighs> this is Peter DeLuise's directing debut in Stargate. 
and it's not a bad one. It's actually pretty fucking good. Yeah. Like, I love the choices he made with some intro shots. <laughs> the intro shot is what started my trend of, for an otherwise shitty episode, this is a pretty good intro. And then it was like, <laughs> for, for an otherwise shitty episode, this other scene isn't that bad. And then, for an otherwise shitty episode, this plot line isn't so terrible. And then, like, at the end, I went, I don't know if this is a shitty episode anymore. <laughs> <laughs> We're just used to Catherine Powers writing bad episodes. She's still doing a disservice to women in her episodes. Yeah. She seems to fall into a toxic love kind of stereotype a little. Like, no, no, yeah. no, it's, it's, it's true love because he wants to possess her. Like, um, really? So, real quick, we're going to read the synopsis. Uh, so, SG-1's archenemy Apophis is dying and seeks sanctuary with O'Neill. But what he really wants is a new host in exchange for his knowledge of the gold. Will O'Neill grant his request or send him back to the gold to face his fate? That's actually a good synopsis. Yeah, it's not actually that terrible. It doesn't the, reveal too much, so we yeah, still they know left like, out the Sokar stuff. We still yeah. get to find out about the Tok'ra. Like, honestly, yeah. this is one of the better synopses we've read. This one doesn't feel like it was written by a fifth grader. Yeah, uh, let's just get into it, because yeah. I took a lot of notes. <laughs> cool. Alright, so the episode opens up with uh, the sh- a ship, uh, a talk vessel, flying away from... Uh, a bigger, like, gold mothership and being fired upon. And uh, I got to watch this part in complete silence because I didn't realize Hulu was muted. That was just real dramatic and, like, in life, like, <laughs> I hate when shows go to the effort to give ships specific sound effects in sci-fi when they're in space because I'm like, space is a fucking vacuum. <laughs> For the, like, no one is worse at it, by the way. No one is a worse offender, in my opinion, than Stargate Atlantis. Because they have no less than, like, what I can only call, like, 60 individualized Wraith sound effects. <laughs> and they're all in space. Bitch, there's no sound in space. <laughs> space Odyssey was a long-ass time ago, and they knew it. Can we figure it out? No, nope, no. Nope, I mean, Star nope. Trek does it, too. Uh, I think Farscape... does like a half job like depending on what's happening they're either really good about it or not at all so they're not they're they're really yeah they're just as guilty i i, I, I don't mean, know why sci-fi does it i think battlestar i think the reimagined battlestar was pretty much the only one that really took the pains to making it actually as lifelike as they could for sound effects in space so that one was I think ultimately good. it comes down to they're trying to make it exciting and while yeah. you know people like you and i are aware that sound wouldn't be happening no one can hear you scream in space the average blockbuster viewer is gonna be like why aren't there explosions fine be reasonable about it (laughs) that's my job here remember oh that's right i'm the unreasonable one okay that makes more sense (laughs) i'm just the one who comes up with excuses for why this might be a thing i make a good cop bad joke (laughs) good cop bad joke that's the new, the yes. new one. I make a good cop, bad cop joke later, and I guess I never realized that we're just, we are good cop and bad cop. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, so yeah, let's, like let's do this. Out in uh, the last episode, like, neither of us appreciate when, like, toxic things happen, especially, like, sexist toxic things happen in an oh, episode or whatever. Say. But, you like, you say. tend to get angrier vocally about it than me. Like, I'm sitting there like, I don't like this. But I could kind of, like, push past it. And it's not that I'm forgiving it for being there. I do not like this, Sam I am. <laughs> I do no. not like this sexism. 
Okay, so I realized my my Hulu was muted when we go to the planet, and <laughs> there still wasn't that, sound. <laughs> yeah, and we find the SG one is uh, waiting on like a desert kind of planet, waiting to meet who they think are the Tok'ra. First excellent directing decision. First excellent directing decision right here in this shot. Oh well, yeah, the, with the directing, like they come in from afar and just kind of zoom in. On no, the- I mostly meant with the fact that he lets the crew just pick how they want to sit, and yes, I love this shot. I was going to talk about yeah. like literally my note here is Daniel is reclined. <laughs> Calling it now, I can't hear I, a thing you're saying. That's because I didn't say anything. I was just oh, okay. reacting. <laughs> Calling it now, I am a Daniel in this episode because my <laughs> mother and Eric both call me Cleopatra because I'm I'm not just a nester. I'm a lounger. I don't know how to just sit like a normal human being. If if there's room, I stretch. So I just kind of like become one with the space. And that's I mean, Daniel in this shot, because he is, like, full-on lounging, like, yes. Greek god style, and it's adorable, and I was here for it. I mean, I will say it's a running joke that, um, that if you're not straight, you don't know how to sit normal. <laughs> is that a thing? Yeah. Huh. Okay. It's, like, a running joke. I think it's normally well. applied to, like, bisexuals specifically, but, like, the, the entire gay community has grabbed it. <laughs> well. I mean, I'm happy to be a stereotype. Aw, oh, kitty finally came out from under the bed. Hello. Stop being cute. God damn it. She's somersaulting and rolling. <laughs> but yeah, so the team are waiting on this planet, and they got sent coordinates to this planet, and they're assuming that it was from the Tok'ra. Quick thought on this. I This is the biggest issue. I, I'm not kidding. This is actually the biggest issue with this episode. It's because... It's a running theme that they never really actually know for sure Uh who sent this signal. And the episode is, apparently I have this new phrase I'm going with in life, which is, this show is utterly uninterested in explaining, in the end, what it is. And they just kind of half-ass it with like, oh, we're assuming. So even we don't know. I'm like, okay, cool. But are you just never gonna quite, oh, are we just done with that? Okay, good, good to know. I guess no one cares. Yeah. The fact that they didn't know for sure that it was the Tok'ra and only sent a four-man team through. Also, I, I hate to say this because I don't want to insinuate that any human life is worth less than than other human life. But in terms of, like, your, like, you know, like, the, you know, the term, I'm sending my best and brightest, I would call SG-1 the best and the brightest of the SG teams, you know, because they're the first wave sent, you yeah. know, I don't think they're sending SG-17 on important <laughs> missions, you know, I think SG-17 mm-hmm. has to work their way up, yeah. and, and I feel like that's just, and I'm not saying SG-17 is crap, I'm just saying, you know, they're average compared to, like, the best, yeah. so, I know the Tok'ra are a big deal, but I also know these people are assuming <laughs> that yeah, it's the they Tok'ra. They are assuming. It's like, for example, like when they mention, you know, we think it was a Tok'ra. Sam says something on lines of, well, who, el- you know, who else would have called us? And Daniel doesn't really have a response, so he does this really adorable little half-ass, like, oh, while playing with some gravel. And it's like, oh, that's cute and all, but seriously, why did you send your best team on a hunch? Yeah, no, that's not smart. That was not smart. I get, like, I just kind of slid to a stop in my, I was like, ooh, this is actually kind of a cool shot. And what the fuck just happened? Did you just tell me that you guys came all the way here to what looks like the same planet you shot your Tok'ra episode, by the way? It's the same sandy material. It It probably probably is. is. I mean, I don't think it's the same planet, but I think it's the same shooting location, ironically, for some reason. Yeah. What killed me was the slow slide into, wait, 
why did they send SG-1? It's a little thing, but it is a big issue for me is that they never actually answer the question, especially because I think it has something to do with the fact that they're not entirely sure. Like, let's say it was Apophis who did it. How? <laughs> they never answer the question of how? Because I don't think they knew. I don't think they knew, and so they just didn't write it into the episode as a result. I will say that, like, in a way you could say they did kind of explain it, because they do point out that apparently the, uh address for earth is well known among the system lords and they all apparently have better things to do yeah. <laughs> which is the dumbest thing i have ever heard especially since the towery are literally publicly mounting and not just a defense but an offense yeah. against the goa there's world a, there's okay why so the fuck two, wouldn't you be annihilating this planet then you have the I resources have two answers for this and they're two completely different ones um uh, so one of them is, Earth already kicked Apophis's butt. Maybe... But what are the chances they could kick all of their butts? Well, first of all, the System Lords do not work together. But that's the thing. They've been proven to... This episode even mentions alliances. And you're telling me they don't all have an enemy of my enemy complex? They fucking do. Or at least two or three would have been able to. Well, the other thing is that they actually, in this episode, point out that, like... When they're like, yeah, if we give Apophis back, will he leave us alone? And they're like, yeah, he's he's busy with someone else. If you give Apophis back, he won't care. <laughs> because they're infighting. I get that. And I really love how it's... So I know Teal'c's been out of the equation for a little bit, so it totally makes sense that he doesn't know about Sokar's return. Yeah, and that the you know, and that the Tokra would like because like that's literally their job is to yeah. know this mm-hmm. shit. No, I'm not complaining about that at all. In fact, I think it's actually good lore building. Yeah, that it, you absolutely. know, just it's just good shit. What I don't care for is that how many times now I've heard the phrase "it's a go old, long thought dead." <laughs> yeah, because it's always somebody making a comeback, and it's only somebody who's gonna be around for a few episodes, <laughs> and it's always somebody made out to be more intimidating than they end up being. And I think it's more just because TV in general tends to do this. They tend to accidentally overhype themselves, I think. Yeah. Like, they hype up their shit, and it's just because, like, I don't know, it's still TV. Like, you're still just gonna be confined. And I think yeah. aside from, like, a certain somebody, Big Baddie, who is actually pretty well-defined as a terrifying villain, he's got a lot more preparation put into him, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, a, these there's guys. a good build-up for that. Yeah, that, yeah. That so, for Sokar, I'm not saying it's all bad. I'm just saying it's convenient that this baddie we've been following for two seasons is now basically, as I've been saying lately, getting yeeted out and replaced, it seems, by this new guy who we get literally a convenient backstory for and i did do a little bit of looking at just who uh, the actual real name was a seeker apparently. i actually looked him up too, yeah. yeah but it's like it looks like they're based on some basis of reality which is good because again can, you, this guy is actually gonna be around for a few episodes and i think they do okay job with him but he basically is just kind of funny more than anything to me because of all that ridiculous face makeup yeah um, um i do want to say on that because i am i tend to be the one like <laughs> you're the one who comes in and tells us all of like the the goofs and the trivia on set and all that kind of stuff yeah and like you and i were both into the mythology but i'm a little bit more like yeah yeah, yeah go for it man invested in it um but like it just seemed strange to me in general that and like i understand on one hand because for the most part we've seen the gold up till now have mostly all been Egyptian. We know they are no. not all Egyptian because right. we do have the whole um, ba- 
Babylon. I was just thinking with, of that one. Yeah, so we know, and we know down the line we're also going to see some who aren't Egyptian. Yes. So, like, on one hand, I understand because they've already... So I understand on one hand because most of the gold that we see are going to be Egyptian gods. But the way they frame this guy Sokar, the way they describe him, they, they basically say he was... Uh, the way that Daniel describes the god himself, the, the Egyptian god, he says something along the lines of the most terrifying Egyptian god or whatever, and it's like... Egyptian gods weren't really feared. So even framing that, and I know this... The Wait, gold, they weren't? No, here's the thing. And, and I actually thought about this at the time. I'm like, you should have really done a Mesopotamia god here. Because oh, no, no, those thing. ones were terrifying. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> I actually... Um, there's, there's this whole thing where, like, the Egyptian gods in general were seen as more benevolent because of the fact that... So Egypt... And Mesopotamia both had flooding. They were okay. both near very large rivers. Okay. You know, the, 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 uh, the communities that lived there back in the day were okay. both near very large rivers. The difference between these two communities was that the flooding in Egypt was predictable. You knew when it was going to happen, so you could predict, you could plan your crops and stuff around that. And that translated to their view of the gods. Whereas Mesopotamia, with the Tigris and the Euphrates, that, tracks, yeah. that flooding was not predictable whatsoever. And oftentimes, a lot of their crops got ruined. So they saw it as a cruel and capricious god. <laughs> exactly. So, like, I understand that, like, yeah, in, in the Egyptian, like, all gods are going to be feared to some extent. And, well, like, yeah, in the god. Egyptian gods, there is going to be a more feared one. Although, to be honest, the things I read, I didn't see anything that really suggested he was a feared god. Yeah, but, like, I didn't see anything about it. It was like, I saw it being kind of that, kind of that hell adjacent thing, but again, yeah, not, like, in a bad like, way. Well, because there was a whole thing about how eventually he got combined with two other gods. Right, to be, like, right. The, the, but, right. like, so I... I it works, but, like, if you really wanted a terrifying system lord, it would have made sense to make it a Mesopotamia god, honestly. You know, I'm trying to think back right now if they even had anything like that, because I know they have, like, that ancient Chinese one who is dying um, in that one episode yeah. in, like, season six-ish. It's the one where Daniel puts in contacts. That's all I got. Yeah, yeah, um, the one where Daniel is his servant for a little bit. yeah. I know they have that guy. And that was, again, one of those times where it seemed more like the show was like, oh yeah, other cultures exist. Fuck. Um, and it felt more like that kind of moment. Or, or, or it was them trying to be more faithful because the movie was more Egyptian in origin. And I guess their idea was maybe that by the time the ancient human revolution happened, they hadn't spread as far yet out into other countries' lores, other cultures' lores. That was always my Except impression. Mesopotamia is, was in the yeah. same area, right. and Mesopotamia and Egypt interacted right. with right. each other. So here's the thing: if they had a Chinese one, I would expect a Mesopotamian one to have been easier. So it's kind of funny to me that, again, I'm only just now saying it's kind of funny to me because of what you said. But hindsight bias being what it is, and everything, yeah, it, it would have made more sense honestly to have because I just I can't remember if they if they did. They did by, like, having a guy in a costume, probably, in that scene where you see a bunch of the system lords, and that was it. They didn't, I don't think they ever focused on it. Or yeah. I'm just not remembering, because I'm terrible. We'll find <laughs> out. We shall see! No matter what, at the end of the day, we're gonna watch all the episodes, so eventually... We are. We'll eventually get there. Alright, so let's get to my third note in this line. 
reclining. Teal'c can't recline and be comfortable, so he's pacing a little bit. And he kind of stops and appears to hear something. He hears, like, distant firing. So he looks up for a second, like, trying to figure out where the sound came from, and then spots uh, a Hatak flying down towards the planet. And it's being fired at from above. And it winds up crash landing. Very close by. But not before Teal'c stands there for what is an ungodly amount of time. Just waiting for this thing to fucking hit him. Waiting to get shot by all the blasts coming at. This guy, I made fun of him for staying in the room with all the electricity in that other episode. And I'm yeah. making fun of him again. Apparently this guy just likes to stand there because that was fucking stupid. You know, that's the thing. Like, I noticed that, like, there's a there's a distinct, like, 15 seconds at least between when Teal points out the ship, Jack immediately tells the other two and himself to get down. Right, and then Teal just keeps Tilt standing just stands there. there for like 15 Four seconds and then Entirely too long. He stands there for entirely too long. It is insane. Yeah, it was weird. I was like, what are you doing? Stop that. <laughs> and then he like, there's a great shot, I think, of them like all, you know, running towards the crashed vessel. But I, what I love is, it, it obviously was a purposeful choice and it was, you know, it was well done. But it cracks me up watching Teal, who is so much further behind them. In the three second shot of them all running towards the ship, he easily not only catches up, but begins to outstrip all of them. Yeah. <laughs> He is that much faster than them. It is so Aww. much funny. So much funny. So much funny. I'm just gonna go with it. This is a phrase now. So much funny. It's so very much funny. Yes. But yeah, so they get to the uh, crashed vessel and find an injured Apophis uh, who asks for help. He doesn't even... He d I, uh, Kudos to the actor because he manages to suffuse every single fucking thing that Apophis says with arrogance. How did he manage to make help me sound uh, arrogant? Like, how did he sound imperious while begging for help? I just, Honestly, that was, that was a good, that guy, that should be, that clip should be his CV. <laughs> like, this is what he right. should use. He should just go around saying, I can fucking act, because look at this shit. It's, I can tell you, like, obviously, obviously he's, he's a g great actor, uh, but I can yeah, tell you, like, ultimately, I think good. what it comes down to is the fact that when he's, even when he's asking for help, the tone of his voice is like, you're going to do this. Yeah. Dude, this episode, it's not like this wasn't already on my mind, because it's been on my mind since the very first time I saw this show. I have never gotten a clear answer. I've never looked it up either, because I sometimes I like to keep an element of mystery like if i can't find it in the show that i don't want to know like i've looked yeah. up some things obviously i'm trivia queen but i don't know even i don't know where my line is like why i don't know why some things i don't want to know without looking and hearing it from the uh -huh. show why some things i want to know about ahead of time I, I got i got nothing for you however one of the ones i haven't ever looked up but i would love to fucking know how this works is just exactly what it is that causes the voice modulation because as later seasons will prove, it appears to be a device they can use to alter their voice to make themselves sound like gods, or that's just something that was developed by people trying to pretend to be Goa Uld, even though Goa Uld have used them, which makes no sense to me. But sometimes it also seems to be natural, because every single time the Goa Uld is like, you know, full on in control, they have their, you know, layer voice thing. Yeah. But this question has plagued me. 
for fucking years of Stargate watching because I've never gotten a solid answer because like there's an episode in, like season 10 I think season 9 season 10 where Vala she had been the god of a couple of small planets and so she goes to one where she used to be the queen of it and she pretends to be the queen again yeah so that she can get shit out of them and it has Felix from Battlestar Galactica in it and I love it but <sighs> Gaeta for those who don't know him by his first name <laughs> but what kills me is she has her little voice modulator on it and she goes of course I have not abandoned you I am your god and she just says the most beautiful Vala ever <clears throat> what kills me is that episode made me so annoyed because that proved to me that this is a full-on external thing that you can use which why would it exist if the Goa'uld didn't create it how does it exist if the Goa'uld didn't create it? I just want to know. And what exactly is it that the Goa'uld do that creates the voice thing? I, I just, I have such specific questions. And I don't want people to email me the answers, actually. <laughs> I, want, <laughs> I want the show to either buck up and actually fucking answer this question for me at some point. Or I want them to just, you know swell in their shame and eventually i'll come swell i don't know uh swirl <laughs> swirl in their shame and eventually i'll come up with a headcanon because right now i don't have one my only thing is you know how like i i postulated that um the glowing eyes is from them like burning naquita in the bloodstream mm -hmm. i'm kind of thinking like maybe that's what the voice layering is is like the naquita somehow like or maybe it has to do with how they're like twined around the neck or something and like it reverberates mm -hmm. the fucking vocal cords i don't know how that would work either i got nothing it's just a weird facet that the show put in there and it's the littlest things that drive me insane because <laughs> i just need to know what it is and i hate it when shows don't explain things <laughs> so i'm pretty yeah. to be fair to be fair i might just be forgetting something there's literally 10 plus years of this show's content to go through so yeah we'll see uh I'll, i'm sure we'll together come up with something in the, an at some point watch. right now i'm going with burning the nakwada somehow affecting the voice because that sounds Listen, better my joke about the sagan box was right we can solve this <sighs> there has to be a better way there has to be a cheaper way there has to be a less destructive way yeah that's they, just they, fucking the, dumb the less destructive way is they give them a gdo at the end then why didn't why doesn't when you made that joke my thing was why doesn't the sagan box have one of those in it because you're only giving them to allies anyway. Mm -hmm. And it's not like if the enemy got their hands on it, they could do they anything without the yeah. code. They that can't was, do shit my, without the code. Was, do you remember I actually suggested at one point, I'm like, well, I don't know. Maybe there's one hidden inside the Sagan box. Well, clearly there isn't. About it. Clearly there isn't because they just chucked it through like the most, the world's most expensive yes. fucking Frisbee. I'm still mad. That is it's the world's done. most expensive Frisbee. <sighs> so, yeah. So he asks for help. <laughs> and this, I feel like this uh, might be uh, the stupidest line in the entire episode. Is where Daniel okay. goes, "Whoa, is that who I think it is?" Yeah, what was that? That was weird. I don't that know. was weird. That that had no place in this episode. Sometimes, like these, really, I I wouldn't be surprised if this is like a production note because when it's weirdly forceful like this a lot of times it winds up being something that came down from a production note where they're like it's been a while since we saw apophis let's remind people you know yeah <laughs> I, I that's what i think like when it's this kind of like clumsy it's usually a production note yeah because it's like there's two kinds of clumsy there's obvious director clumsy like like to, you know to go back to the togra episode when we were bitching about it, it's like yeah, they're, they're masters at hiding themselves, and then all of a sudden they come out of the sand, and it's like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, kind of like, that. that's that's director forced. 
Yeah. What you just said kind of makes sense to me. I think you're right. I think that's like production note. Oh, that's annoying. Yeah. Like, make sure we talk about our big bad right before we potentially annihilate him as a storyline. I do love that Duke is immediately ready to kill this man. (laughs) What I love is, I do, this, okay, this is one of the reasons why I think Peter does, his name is not easy for the tongue. It has too many vowels. Uh Uh-huh. Peter DeLuise does a great job, I think, because he really... I, I just feel like he gives the actors a little more personal freedom. Not necessarily in, like, an ad-libbing kind of form, because that's another type of directing style. Yeah. But more like he lets... He just, I don't know, gives them, like, half an ounce more. I'm not sure ounce is the right word, but you know what I mean. He gives them that ever so slight more... The room. Um, ca- yeah, thank you. He gives them ever so much slightly more room in yeah. each camera shot. So, for example, Teal'c, who's not usually given a lot to do... He's kind of still, like, you know, his usual silent kind of self. However, he has, like, just that tiny bit more of camera presence in this episode. And each time, each time, he owns the fucking shit out of it. he has some fantastic scenes in this episode. Oh, my God, with just his face. And a lot of it definitely comes down to the framing with the directing. Yeah, like, he's given the, the room, as you said, to be like creepily smugly happy for example Mm -hmm. in a couple of shots and i'm just like oh my god he's owning the entire scene just with a face like that's 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 how you do it if you want to have the tall dark and silent character fine but can you at least make him an equal member of the team in terms of presence like i need at least Mm -hmm. his presence to be known and not just because he's also there so i really credit the shit out of Peter DeLuise for this. I know Tilk is also given a tiny bit more to do in this episode because of his connection to Apophis. Yeah, like, yeah, duh. Yeah. But on top of that, it's not like he's given a shit ton of extra dialogue or anything, so yeah, I really do honest, feel like, like um, he was just I... given more screen presence, which, again, is sometimes all you need. I do want to give Catherine Powers credit, and I know that's shocking for me to say, <laughs> but I do want to give her credit for the fact that she lets every member of SG-1 have a moment with Apophis. Yeah. All of them get a moment. Yeah. Yeah, I love that he's he's ready to kill this man. And Sam's like, eh, he might be more useful to us alive. You don't say... Okay, I do not care for Jack's attitude in this episode. I'm just gonna say it now. I don't I don't get him in this episode. It's like he kind of... <laughs> it's like you forgot what being a human is. It's just... It's just a... It's a weird episode. He's weirdly violent in it and not like in an appreciable... In a, that's a word. Yeah, an appreciable way. I just don't, I don't get, I, I don't see where he's coming from in this episode. Let me say that. I think, here's, here's where I do, okay, so I just gave her credit, so now I'm going to take credit away a little bit here for a second. I think that she took, fails taking time. in the fact that, like, obviously she, you know, points out that Daniel's issue with him, you know, has to do with shouting and all that kind of right. stuff. Right, you know, the personal element. She doesn't bring Chlorel up at all. Yeah, yeah. It's, I I and don't know if it's if because she forgot show about Jack him being this mad with Apophis and this ready to just like fucking kill him and everything. Then you need to invest in why is he especially personally mad with Apophis? Yeah, because so here's of- the thing. I forgot about I until you said that I forgot about Chlorel too, and I'm just like, yeah, I don't get why he's being so violent, and it's like, oh, duh, because of his personal connection to this. 
Duh. Yeah, and she but, didn't mention him at all. Right, and it's like, I'm not, I'm not judging myself too hard for it going over my head. It's because I didn't get any visual reference to it at all in this episode. And I just forgot yeah, about Chlorel. Jesus Christ. Yeah, Scara. Oops. Exactly. Uh-huh. Wow, yeah, so I, I, yeah, I don't Scara. blame you. God, I feel... Well, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not a writer for this show. I'm allowed to forget. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's not. She doesn't have that excuse. No. God, what the fuck? Yeah, I wonder so, why, they, uh, I wonder I why they didn't bring that up. That is so weird. So, for example, like, one of the things they're not interested in explaining yet, this this one at least is just a yet, is where the fuck Aminette is. Um, yeah, they, but well, they, they could they have explained where of... Chlorel was, which is, like, out because they had a falling out or something after the attack. Mm-hmm. Like, this wouldn't have been hard. Yeah. Sorry, you were gonna say something, I kind of cut you off. I uh, was just, you know, like, like you said, like, they don't. They don't say where she is, but they do make that a mystery. So, like, yeah, no, they they make that a mystery on purpose, not just because. <laughs> I just my only thought here was they could already feel Michael Shanks pulling away, and they were like, no, 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 we're dangling your storyline, so Daniel has to stay in the show. <laughs> <laughs> just holding his storyline hostage. I don't get that feeling at all. Actually, it just cracks me no. because we do know he leaves the show, so it's just kind of funny that it's like I wonder if they're like just holding it over his head, like no, 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 no. Your character doesn't get a satisfying ending unless you stay. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I definitely don't think that's an issue this early on because I think at this point they're still giving him good things to work with. Uh, so yes, as Sam's declared, they should keep Apophis alive. Suddenly, more Hatak vessels swoop in on the team and start firing. So they're like, okay, we have to, we have to leave. Grab them and leave. Grab them and leave. So I do not blame the not-so-greatness of the shot um, on anything other than time, because this was just a time when CGI was shit. And I know a couple episodes ago I gave them no credit for the exact same thing, which is <laughs> I know their CGI was crap, but that glass was so terrible, I don't care. This CGI was pretty fucking terrible, but I gotta say, I love the shot so much, I just don't care. Because even though the Hatak pauses and then looks kind of like the screensaver froze for about <laughs> a good five seconds, I fucking love this shot as Jack is going backwards the through the wormhole. they're just, like, staring off at each other. Dude, the stare-off, it looks kind of like a screensaver froze. Yeah. <laughs> Especially as he walks backwards and it turns into a transitioning shot, because at that point in time, I think it literally is a still frame, because it makes it easier to edit around. Probably, yeah. <laughs> but that shot where he's walking back through the wormhole is so good that I also don't even care nearly as much about the thing I always bitch about, which is whenever they're coming through and there's debris, quote-unquote, being sent through the gate with them, it's such a clear, like, prop, you know, explosion. A very yeah. directed shot, you know, of debris. It is never more obvious than when you have these angled shots because the camera line is literally directly in line with where that nozzle is. So you can clearly <laughs> see the cone shape of it as it's a spray of debris through the yeah. fucking set that he's falling through. And it's like, I give them all the credit that they want because I know what they're trying to do and I know they can't actually work with a real wormhole. And the shot yeah, is obviously. such an epic attempt that I'm just able to give it so much more credit. So unlike the shitty glass, this entire shot is executed as well as they could, and I love it. I think it's just really well done. Maybe it's just because this is around the time I figured out, I, thought, I think I was reading through the trivia at the same time, and I was like, wow, this shot's good. Oh shit, it was directed by Peter DeLuise, and that explains a lot. And I was like, yeah, yeah no, it go. is. There's something almost comical with the way it just stops in front of Jack. It like, does, it just looks just having, kind like, a of standoff. Wrong. Yeah, it's just, I think, it's, it's like CGI animals, I, it's never quite right. I think it works because of the fact that, like, 
as they point out, Sokar's not interested in picking a fight with Earth right now. He just wants Apophis. So it's kind of like a... I'm not Speaking saying he's, like, holding off on firing on Jack. I think it's it's meant to be, like, an intimidation effort, you know? Right. No, I, I kind of got what they're going for. That's why, again, I give it credit. Just yeah. Again, it just looked kind of like a computer glitch, and it just wasn't quite right. Yeah. But, no, I, no, I agree with you, but it, it was a... <laughs> For it me, was... my thing is that CGI just needs to be a little more subtle. Like, aside from the fact that, obviously, Stargate, by the nature of its wormhole effect, is going to have to always be a little unsubtle. Yeah. Those elements are just always, like, I honestly thought they did a better job with the space shots than they did with the on-a-planet shot. I think it's the fact it's a spaceship on a planet that just makes it harder to work with. Yeah. Because they do a much better job. You'll notice that, while it's not great, they do a much better job with this effect with the Wraith in Stargate Atlantis. That's also because the Wraith vessels are meant to be vessels that work on the surface of a planet. Because they're meant uh-huh. to be culling machines, you know, scooping you up ram scoop style. So it's designed with that in mind. I think that was actually a smarter plan that they did. Or maybe this, you know, maybe by that point, ten years had passed and, you know, effects were just that much better. Who the fuck knows? I don't know. I always just kind of got a better impression from them. And it could be because this is obviously a space glider that's... Again, they actually they show them on surface of planets all the time. I'm an idiot, because they're always used as an attack vessel on a planet. I don't know why it doesn't look that good, Mel. I'm out of reasons. Uh, <laughs> I just don't like it. <laughs> I, I think they didn't think about... When they designed it, I don't think they thought about its usability. I think they just thought it was a cool-looking attack vessel. Either way, it looks better in other shots than it does in this one, but I don't care because it's easily encompassed by how much I love the backwards shot of Jack coming through the gate. It's just a cool yeah, him, shot. Yeah, him walking back through backwards, firing at it, was really good. Yeah, and again, it makes me immediately overlook that obvious cone-shaped debris shot. Cause yeah, so they all get it. through and obviously close the, the gate and everything. And Apophis demands Kelma... Which Tuke says is sanctuary. Yes. And I love how immediately everyone's kind of looking around at each other like, sorry? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, this is a point of credit to, I'm guessing, the directing. I don't know if it was meant to be more clear. I don't think it was anything that was meant to be more clear in the script. I don't think I can give credit to Catherine Powers for this. Um, but credit definitely is due for Michael Shanks and for Peter DeLuise, I think, because I never really get Daniel's impression of what he feels about the... Um, idea of giving compassion to even their worst enemy. Mm-hmm. We know Jack's opinion. Yeah. We find that out right quick. Sam kind of just sits there saying the right thing like she always does. But the way Daniel portrays it is just ambiguous enough that you're kind of like, alright, I, I appreciate this. Because I never really get a clear impression from him one way or the other. And I, and I think they were intending to do that. You know, to keep him a little mysterious because Daniel is a fucking enigma sometimes. And I really like that. He keeps things close to the vest, and it's it's. I really appreciate that about his characterization because every time I have to think about it, it's like, dude, this show elicits so much work from me, and I like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it makes me want to, to wonder at, like, his thought process. Yeah, I also think there's something to be said for, like, in that moment, like, there's probably a bit of a conflict happening in Daniel himself. Oh, yeah, of course. Because he tends to be someone who's going to offer more empathy and forgiveness to people. But, like, Apophis is, like, the one guy, like, you gotta draw a line there, you know? You know, it's funny that you said that. I tend to th- think otherwise of Daniel. I think he follows the rules because there's nothing wrong with them, but I tend to get the feeling that he is better at writing people off and doesn't actually extend as much empathy. I always no, got the very, other he, kind of feeling. 
he can absolutely write people off, but look at, like, how he dealt with uh, the fish dude in Fire and Water. Like, he was trying to help that man. And, yeah. Like, obviously, part of it was just he was trying to get out, but, like, at the end of the day, so- sometimes there's an element of that, you know? Well, you know, my therapist is always telling me to think better of people, so maybe it's just that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't even think that it's, like, ultimately specifically Because I, I was thinking thing. the other thing with him. I wasn't thinking empathy with that. I was thinking he's captured by a fish man, and the fish man wants some translation, so I guess I'm doing some translation. <laughs> Like, I just kind of figured it was less to do with empathy and more to do with it being Daniel. At the end of the day, he was also just fascinated, and it worked for him also to find out what it meant. I mean, I think with that episode, it was combination. Yeah. So, yeah, I just always get less of the emotion element from him, and this one, I get that a lot. With like, there's definitely emotions at play for him, but I don't necessarily know what they are, and I really like the shit out of that acting decision yeah. because it just I... keeps it kind of creepy because you're kind of like, oh, could he be kind of... Wait, is that approval? I Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I could argue that, like, it's not even... Saying empathy was the wrong word. Um, but, like, you and I also have this, this experience where we're in a situation and we know the proper emotional response. So we're aware of how you're supposed to be reacting to a situation, you know? Yeah. For me, I'm I just... I think it's kind of that conflict. Maybe. For, I'm actually gonna, you know, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing. It's just that for me, like, what, the reason why I was even not saying any of this about Daniel is that that's actually where I disagree with him and Jack on this is that I'm more Sam, which is that I'm sorry, I don't... I don't care what it has to do with right or wrong, as in, like, what I feel about it. Like, I don't care how much I hate the person. There's just a clear cut what is correct and what isn't correct. And the idea is, if you are of the opinion that you are different than your en- enemy, then the correct thing to do is the opposite of your enemy. So if your enemy doesn't extend compassion even to his worst enemy, I'm using enemy a lot in this sentence, <laughs> then <laughs> then maybe you should. Like, just be better. If you if you think you're better, then be better. Um, our interpretation, I mean that literally as the human race, our interpretation has differed <laughs> depending on each culture where that line yeah. is extended. For the U.S., supposedly, we're supposed to say that we would, you know, never treat a prisoner of war in a certain manner. <coughs> Guantanamo. Um, yeah, there, there, uh, there's a moment you know, when Hammond says something in this episode where I'm like, oh, Hammond, you sweet summer child. I know, I'm like, okay, because Gitmo doesn't exist or anything, sure. So, yeah, I uh, I had some opinions about that. But my thing was, I'm just sitting here going, like, how is this even a fucking argument people ever do? Is because, like, when they, when, they, when they brought this up in Bane, where I'm like, I'm sorry, I just love how because he's not of Earth, we can just pretend that he doesn't have rights. Mm-hmm. So it's this concept that Jack now that now that Jack hates this thing now all of a sudden he's pro no alien rights now that yeah. he doesn't have an emotional investment it's like it's not how it fucking works they either all have rights or none of us do so I mean listen which I'm not disagreeing with you on this I 100% agree with you on that point yeah so it just really pisses me off this episode where it's like I love how. Speaking of key phrases, Jack is playing fast and loose with moral compasses. I think that's the plural, I don't know. Moral compasses. <laughs> and it's just, it's really irritating to me. Watching people have to have the yo-yo effect of yeah. where where do the rights lie. And it's like, why is the doctor and Sam the only per- people who are like 100% on the line of, uh-uh, this isn't what we do, we do the right thing. <laughs> like... What the fuck? Because it's like, I'm sorry, how is this even a discussion? Don't torture people. (laughs) You know? You don't torture or experiment on prisoners of war. That is 
not what good guys do. And Jack no. likes to fucking call himself, in this episode, a good guy. Conveniently forgetting that 20 minutes ago, he was pro-no-alien rights. And it's like, He's also one or the other, Jack. I know! One or the fucking other, Jack. That Pick was my one. biggest you got issue to. with Blind how... the fucking sand here. You don't get to be on both camps. Yeah, the, especially because she completely fails to bring up Chlorel. Yeah, that's um, so weird. Or Scotta. <laughs> so I'm mad at myself for not noticing. The fact that he was a previous POW and is so fuck him, I don't care about his rights kind of thing about Apophis. It's like, if you wanted to go that angle, you really needed to push the Chlorel thing more. Yeah. But you didn't talk about it at all. So in that case, you should have pushed the fact that he has also been a POW who was tortured. Yeah, he's like he definitely was tortured. By the way, I was hoping I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned that because he was a former he was a black ops guy who was caught, so he was well, definitely tortured. Well, we also tortured. just found out in a matter of time that he was a POW for yeah. a little while. Yeah, yeah. What I'm saying is the fact that he was black ops specifically, so like a captured black ops person was definitely tortured. Oh yeah, 100. <laughs> percent Yeah, that's my. And that's so my like, it sounds like you have two paths you could take with Jack here, but you failed with both of them. Because yeah. you chose to go down one, but didn't give the correct reason for why, and the other one still existed, and because you didn't give the reason for the one path, it's like, then it should have been the other path. And yeah, I just, I feel like they just got a little let down by the fact that weak writing shows when a character all of a sudden conveniently forgets what rights are. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I just, I think it's lazy. I think it's weak, and I think it's lazy, and I think it should be more of a conversation. Like, if you want to decide that somebody doesn't deserve rights it needs to be more than just uh, oh because he's the bad guy it's like okay okay and like your last episode literally was a either die a hero or live to be see yourself become the enemy kind of mm -hmm. thing you know you're conveniently forgetting your own show <laughs> so well here's the thing i think i yeah i don't think Catherine powers did see the hypocrisy and i think because she definitely here, this is another one where like uh this is the final of the four episodes that, like, each of them got I'll switched in the order on my DVD. And this is another one where I feel like this definitely fits better after Michello. Because we get a scene in a little bit where Apophis is basically making the same demands as Michello did. Yeah. Almost, like, word for word. And it's like, she that definitely had to be on purpose. Maybe it was meant to go before Holiday so that it would set up that stand, that practice, that line, you know, of all things. I don't think that was necessary to set that up, though. That is well, a, I'm not no, saying it was it a you know, good it, idea. If Apophis had happened been. before Holiday, they would have, there would have been something to see from that, you know? Maybe. I don't know. I don't think, I mean, it depends. Here, it depends. Like, we'll see what comes up after this and see if it had anything to play on it. Because if they don't bring up Sokar for a while, then I don't know if we can say that for sure. Well, oh, honestly, probably not. The next one is the the plant people. <gasps> yeah, that's right. I forgot. I'm like dancing with the light. I love plant people episode. Okay, so um, Hammond's like, uh, we're tossing him into jail, and Janet's like, uh, no, he's hurt. I'm fixing him first. I do want to say, like, I agree with you 100% that it shouldn't have just been Sam and Janet that were, you know, on this side of morals. Or or they should have made it seem just a little bit more of a conflict. In yeah, the like, there was no with. quandary here. People were either just on the dark yeah. side or the light side. And I'm like, once again, people forget what a gray Jedi is. Yeah, um, but 
I do appreciate still that this entire episode, Janet is a doctor, you know? Oh, yeah. There's a reason why I appreciate the Cassandra episodes, and it's because it gives her a chance to branch outside of the doctor box that Janet's in. I, I like those episodes, sorry for letting her explore beyond her doctor role, because as much as I love her in this, she's just always only in doctor zone. And while she does a great job, she's just in literal just like, speaking of like people getting screen presence i feel like on accident she got a little sidelined and she didn't give it she wasn't everyone else is given more space in this episode and as a result she's given less which mm-hmm. is sad yeah she's great i love janet yeah um so she says some interesting medical uh, jargon that may or may not be accurate ringer's lactate is the stuff they use for like when you're bleeding a lot because it's a fluid replacement thing uh-huh but she said some jargon that's then immediately outside my purview of knowledge so i have no idea <laughs> Yeah, so she's fixing Apophis up. He's got, like, two broken legs and all this kind of stuff. She, so she fixes that up, and Toka's like, well, his his symbiote will fix that up in time. And she's like, well, his symbiote's also fucked up. His symbiote's got lesions on it. And she can't fix that, obviously. <laughs> so the trivia did confirm this for me, but Mel, did you notice on the screen, the bottom right corner, did it look familiar to you at all? Because it should. No. The green thingy? Yet. Oh, it's an audio file. It's a composite audio file that's a doing its waveform thing. I'm not sure why it was on the screen, but I guess they thought it looked like heartbeaty type stuff. Sure. So she shows the lesions on the symbiote, and I I understand part of this, but the way that they present it, I'm like, did you forget? Just I don't know. So <laughs> after she says that, Sam has another one of her Joel in her moments where she you know me- remembers. She specifically remembers when the assassin was doing the hand device thing on her. And she mentions it like it's not something that has been used on Daniel a half a dozen times already. Also in the movie. Like, it's basically the same device from the movie. And, and... Aminet's used it on him? Similar enough. has used it on him. Yeah, no, everyone has tried to melt his brain before, yeah. It's been used on Daniel many times in this show. The show alone, it's been used on him several times. And it's like, why are you, unless, unless they were trying to say that this is something similar, but like is specifically meant for torture. So I think. She does say that it's meant for torture, but it's like. Yeah. I think the, I think the insinuation was that it was a slightly separate but distinct hand device, as if it matters, as if they don't look exactly the fucking same. should have made that distinct, because I was just going, Daniel's been attacked by this before, don't act like it's something new. (laughs) What do you Yeah. Now, I mean, this episode does do a little bit of rehashing, which might have been because of order issues. Like, they may not have known that it was going to be out of order or some shit. Who the fuck knows? I don't know what the reason was. They do some rehashing in so far as, but not limited to, for example, she brings up 38 minutes a lot in this episode. As if they didn't just have an episode that literally talked about how the uh, thing can only be open for 38 minutes, but whatever. Actually, I've got an issue with that scene that I actually realized the second time I had an issue with it that... I think I'm going to need to confirm this with you and I'm going to wait till we get there. But I was like, oh, am I not giving... Hmm. (laughs) So I'm not going to say it until we get there because I don't want to spoil because that's way farther in. Cool. Um, so basically they, they figure out that Apophis was tortured with one of these things and Janet says that he's dying and Jack is happy and wants to know when. Dude, and this is those, this is one of those moments where I, um, really appreciate the fuck out of Christopher Judge's acting because he does it early when they first, um, mentioned like, cause when they notice like they're responsible for Apophis' downfall, it immediately flashes a Teal who has like the most tiny little 
hint of a smile on his face, and I'm like, woo, he looks creepily pleased by that. Yeah. And then it just got more and more smug, and I was like, damn, your acting is good. <laughs> because he was, like, really playing it up of, like, just how fucking delighted he was <laughs> at what was happening to Apophis the entire time in this episode. And he's, like, the yes. only guy I'm kind of not judging for this, because his entire species... His, by nature, his speech to Apophis later yeah. is great. But yeah, but his entire species by nature is designed to be violated and used like mm-hmm. cattle for the fucking go old. So he's allowed to be delighting in the fall of his abuser. Like this is yeah. definitely not on. I don't care about him being in the camp that others I would call bad. I would call them call him bad guys for being in this camp. He's allowed. Yeah, I will say everyone else Daniel's, so fuck him. On, on Daniel being in that camp, I do feel because I do genuinely feel like because you said like that you you can't quite tell how Daniel feels at the beginning of this episode. The beginning, like it gets and a little I more obvious to me like, as it goes on, but it's mostly just yeah, I liked his enigmatic here's acting. Here's the thing: I do think he wasn't wholly decided in that moment yet where he was. There we go. And uh, in a little bit, Apophis is going to make a huge misstep with oh, Daniel. Oh, big-ass boo-boo. Yeah, and I feel like that's when Daniel just shut down. I was like, all right, I agree with Jack and Teal'c. So I feel like he could have been, like, the middle ground in this episode, except that Apophis is a fucking self-absorbed idiot, which works for him. Right, no, that's in character. That's but he complete. shot himself in the foot with Daniel, basically. He could have. There was no way he was going to Daniel to argue his cause, except that he just shot himself in the foot immediately in talking with Daniel. I don't know if there was any way he was ever going to get Daniel onto his side. I think Daniel, at the most, was never going to torture him just because it wasn't the right thing to do, not because he was ever going to be, like, sympathetic to fucking Apophis, of all people. Here's the thing if he'd given Daniel information about where Aminette was. Maybe. Maybe. I would have, I don't know. I don't know with Daniel. See, I, 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 get, I get a slightly different impression from him on these, but that's okay. That's a good thing. I like it. Yeah. So yeah. That's why I'm saying, like, I do feel like in the beginning, when when you can't tell where he falls, I do think he wasn't even wholly decided yeah, could be. yet. No, that, that, that's a very, very valid interpretation. I, I wouldn't disagree. <laughs> Definitely don't. Yeah, because he's, yeah. he's a quite a pragmatic character, so. Yeah. What I love, though, is like, so first off, not here, as I've mentioned, for Jack being the no rights for aliens jackass of the episode. I think it's pretty stupid. Yeah. You know, bitch, as soon as you start behaving in the same manner as your enemy, like, this this isn't hard. Mm-hmm. Teal's smile, though, is fucking accurate when Hammond's yes. like, oh, dude, Hammond's like, we're like, well, I think we'll be able to get some information out of him. And Teal's like, you know this is a millennia-old snake, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, it, that smile he has there isn't that insulting, but it's a little insulting. And I like it, because it's accurate. Because it's like, old man, please. Yeah. Like, are you really that naive? Are you really that naive that you gen? Okay, fine, sure, sure. Let's let's watch this, Hammond. Let's watch this. Let's watch this information interchange go down. But yeah, um, so Jack is sure that Apophis is planning something. Exchange. I said interchange, didn't I? <laughs> and Teal'c mentions that it's common practice for gold to serve someone that conquered them before. So, like, he's kind of, he's not saying this is what's happening, but he's saying, well, I don't know, maybe he's, like, he's already in danger, you know, obviously he's hurt, maybe he's like, well, you guys already defeated me once, maybe I can get sanctuary with you by also serving you, you know, something like that. <laughs> be much more desirable to serve the humans than it would be to serve Sokar. Yeah, and I will say, like, this is actually a good bit of, a good bit of subtle dialogue, because he doesn't actually... Like I said, he says that this is a thing that happens, yeah. but he doesn't say that that's what he's doing. Yeah, no. 
So I think it's some actual good subtle dialogue there. Yeah. Um, but Jack, again, not here for Jack, is just like, yeah, let's torture him for information and throw him away, basically. Which is when I start to lose my mind. (laughs) Yeah, and Hammond's like, we don't do that to POWs. And again, you and I are both like, oh, Hammond. (laughs) Not that he's wrong for saying it shouldn't happen because no, yeah, it yeah. shouldn't. Exactly. And no civilian government should ever be signing off on it, but I guess we do, so yay. Mm-hmm. No, fuck this. Fuck it, fuck it. Torture is never right. Especially not not just because, by the way, it's proven to not work. Yeah. But, because it's almost as if people will say anything to make the pain stop. It's weird. It's, it's been proven not to work since the witch trials. Yeah, the witch trials weren't about getting truth, so there we go. Yeah, I know, but, like, that was purposely, like, yeah, obviously they're going to confess to it just to get you to stop. You know, that was a thing. That was a known thing that that's how they got a lot of people to confess, quote-unquote, to being a witch, was just to stop the torture. So we are aware that torture does this, and yet. (laughs) And yet. Yep. But Sam also points out that the host might be innocent, and Jack doubts much of the host is left at this point. Which is like, well, to be fair, you don't know how old that host is, Jack. You make one fucking hell of a leap there, Jack, for your own personal reasons. Just so you can write off the guy, and that way it's okay to torture. Yeah, like, you have no idea how old this host is. That, that This convenience isn't a bad convenience because it's a story writing convenience. That's Jack being convenient because it's a character flaw. Yeah. He's conveniently forgetting or not caring so that he can be morally justified. And it's like, well, that's a human trait. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Jack leaves the briefing uh, muttering to himself, I should have shot him. Which again, what the fuck? Dude, this episode's hard for me because earlier, uh, I love it when he calls her Sam, when she has her Jolinar moment. I just, because he calls her Sam and it's, you know, he never calls her Sam and I'm just like, hi. And I just, I'm just going to be creepy in the corner smiling at you too, like with butterflies. Um, And it's stupid. And then immediately five seconds later, I want to kill him because he's like then muttering to what I want to be his girlfriend. I should have shot him. And even her face is like, dude. And it's like, yeah, I'd be a little pissed too. She's not pissed, but she's kind of like that other, like, disappointed kind of thing. Like, yeah. sir, please. So, Apophis asks to talk to Jack and doesn't understand Jack's sarcasm when he says, my heart bleeds for you. I do love it, yeah. You lie poorly, human. Uh, yeah. and, and I love Jack's, like, I'm just gonna let him have it. Yeah. <laughs> His shrug of, I, I'm just gonna let him have this one, sure. Yeah, I, I genuinely, I enjoyed that one because it was... Because we, we see it happen a lot with Teal, although not as much anymore because Teal is more used to yeah. humanity and everything at this point. But I like that it's kind of like a callback to, yeah, this is the culture that Teal came from. You usually are only talking to Teal. Teal's kind of used to it at this point, but this guy isn't. So, like, my heart bleeds for you. You lie poorly. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, and, um, and then basically Jack's, you know, not giving him the time of day. And, and again, like, we don't really agree with his place in this, but I do also like this other line he gives Apophis, where basically he's, I don't remember what leads up to it, basically like, you know, you know, you, you gotta deal with what you've done, we're not gonna help you, blah, 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 and then it goes, something, something, that's between you and your god, and then he pauses, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> you are your god. Yeah, that was great, SOL. that was actually a great line. <laughs> now, that's... 
that's a little bit more in character, I think, for him. Not like the other stuff was out of character. I just don't find it particularly in character. Uh, but this is much more clearly in line with him, with him as you know being an asshole within reason, of yeah. him just being a sarcastic. Oh, bitch. that's definitely an in character. It just shouldn't have been happening when he's he's lobbying for this man to get tortured. And yeah, because that just makes it sketch. Yeah. So uh, Apophis tries to pull Michello and offers knowledge in exchange for a new host. Which, no. No, and we're Jack not going to do that. And Jack tells him, go to hell. Which, you know, at the end of this episode, he will be. Yeah. Yeah, I do I do love that, like, again, we, we said this guy playing Apophis is doing a great job with just, like, the ego that's, like, coming off of this man, even when he's injured and, like, in traction in a bed. Like, that he still expects this to be given to him. Yeah. Like I said, he suffuses arrogance into everything. Up and until the exactly, end, man. And I, and I do feel like it, it's a great follow-up to Holiday because we literally just saw Michello basically do the same thing. I will give you information if you let me keep this body. Yeah, it is oddly repetitive now that you mention it. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. Uh, so, Apophis warns Jack of a powerful gold lord named Sokar. And, uh, oh yeah, that guy we've been talking about already. Yeah, and he also kind of insinuates that he... He contacted them, not so much for sanctuary as that if I'm going to die, I'm going to take you with me. Oh, so th- does he say, th- th- did I miss it? Does, does he actually say, confirm that he was the one who contacted yeah, them? Yeah, he confirms he was the one who said Okay, so never mind. I take it back. I was whining over nothing. He, I just wanted it to be confirmed. Yeah, he does. He okay. Said, he says that he contacted okay. them. Okay, thank God. I still have a question as to how. Seriously, how? I don't know. I don't know how what what kind of system he has to specifically send coordinates through whatever, uh, but they weird. do confirm he is the one who did it. And he kind like I okay. said, he kind of insinuates here that it was less sanctuary and more. Listen, if this guy's gonna kill me, at least I could take you dickheads with me, you know. Which Jack was right; he was planning something. Kel surprise. So. Teal'c tells them that Sokar was once a huge deal, but then all the system's lords kind of banded together and kicked him out. And I, I maintain it's over his stupid face paint. Sure, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Daniel He's says so he was needlessly the original dramatic. god of death. Sorry? He's just so needlessly dramatic. Like, <laughs> Sokar was never that effectively terrifying to me, because he, he was just stupid. So Daniel says he was the original god of death that once ruled all of Earth, and that the land was covered in darkness and inhabited by serpents. And I didn't specifically see anything like that. And granted, I only did like a surface dive on Sokar. But there is representation of him riding a serpent. Oh, there you go. So it's not that far off. So there is actually a connection between Sokar and snakes. Nice. I like it when they put a little bit of effort into that ship. So I, that could that could track. I like the and Unos this is where I have a, a whole note that's basically just there. Really trying to make Egyptian gods look terrifying, huh? <laughs> One thing that kills me is they opened up a huge hole here when they mentioned that they, uh, you know, that the uh, ser- the servants, the, the, uh, the army of snakes, right, would be the Unas. And I'm like, okay, and you're telling me that at no point, not once, was there a situation where there was a dead Unas left yeah, on Yeah, I was Earth. just thinking fossils. How yeah. did they never <laughs> find any fossil evidence of this? <laughs> or Unless just like the, uh, other ev- I'm not sure if it would have been long enough for fossils at that point I don't think it's actually enough millions of years there's only like a few thousand but still like, there should have been 
evidence of yeah. some dead Unas in Egypt, you know, if this was a thing. But sure, whatever. Unless that one uh, alien body that was sealed under the gate in the movie is supposed to be an Unas. I will almost give that one to you, because that did <laughs> piss us off. I remember that, because those things yeah, were, we in fact, metal, and we're like, how sense. is that bones? Like, what the fuck? How is this fossilized? Like, what? You know what, Mel? I'll, I want it to be that, so I'm going to say it is. That makes sure, it better. Sure, why not? Why not? All right, so score on for Mel on that one. Uh, So we get an incoming traveler alert. Um, alert. The alert. Alert. I was going to say message or so, alarm, and then alert at the same time, so... Incoming traveler alert, and they close the gate, something impacts on the lens, and Hammond's like, get the radiation team to figure out what that was. And Daniel now asks if he can interrogate Apophis, and Hammond looks to Jack first to see if it's a good idea. (laughs) What I love is, so Simmons, and this is where I get annoyed with uh, subtitles because his name is not spelled correct, but... Simmons has this really cute scene where Sam's leaning over him and he just does like a little like huh, and <laughs> over of her and he's just it's 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 adorable. And I love seeing his face when Martouf comes in because his face you can literally watch it fall. Like god That's damn it. That's so funny. He's just I love how he's always forced to watch his crush interact with hot men. It's just great. Poor Simmons. But yeah, so okay, this is where this is my first big note of like loving the directing. Yeah. Like, obviously, it's been good directing this whole time. Right. But this one, I I love the scene where Daniel goes to interrogate Apophis because the framing of it originally is that, like, the camera's close to Apophis and you see past him at the door, Daniel with, like, the guards, and he he asks, is he, like, is he awake to speak to, to talk to me? And as right. soon as Daniel asks that, Apophis's eyes jolt open. Like, he's been waiting for this moment. And I like that. I like that framing. I also think there's something effortlessly condescending about him calling Daniel by his first name. I love it, because it's not just condescending, it's also really creepy, because you know that he learned it from his wife's possessed brain. Oh, yeah. And that's really gross. And it's him trying to be gross. He's trying to be unsettling by going, look what I've learned about you from your wife. Isn't this precious? And it's like... You, good job with your element here. Yeah. Actually, good job of writing here, Catherine Powers. You're good at writing creepazoids, I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my one, and my third note is, is there a reason for the strange blue lighting in the room? I'm guessing that it was the emergency lights. They tend to just turn off the lights in infirmaries and just let the emergency lights be the calm lighting. But that's all I got. Sure. <laughs> I have no answer for you. I didn't have a problem with it. It was just strange that it was lit in blue for this, you know? It might have been from the, uh, I was almost said LSD, but it's like, nope. Uh, might have been from the, uh, LCD screen of the, of the monitor. Like, I don't know if there's LCD back then. No, it wasn't, it wasn't small enough to just be from a computer. It was like, the lighting was blue. Gotcha. So yeah, I'm guessing, I'm guessing it has to be, yeah. I think it was just the lighting choice, like literally of the, the halogens above or whatever. Sure. Uh, so Apophis is seriously over here thinking they're gonna bond over Sade. This man's obliviousness is legendary. I see what they were doing here, because again, it really does play into characterization, which is how the gold view things. 
and people as things and so forth. And he obviously just assumes that, of course, Daniel just thinks the same way about things and tries to connect with him on a truly creepy basis. And see, this is this scene in particular, and this is a great... Okay, first of all, this is some fucking great editing in this scene and also great acting. And this is why I do think that initially Daniel was still undecided because even though he's already brought up Aminat, Daniel's still being patient with him at this point. He's still letting him talk. He's still listening to him. And I don't remember exactly what he says specifically about Aminat. Just that she was his love and that she and Share were one and the same. And that the yeah, moment I think he it was saw the one her, and the same. Yes. Yeah. One, it they was they are he, one and the same, and that pisses yes, Daniel it's when, off. Because he, you know, talks about Aminat, and then Daniel's like, no, that's my wife, Shade. And then when he says, you know, they are one and the same, when he says that, first of all, there is this amazingly dramatic music sting. Like, go back and, it's so good, because it's just like, it's like a jolt. Yeah. The music sting in that moment, and the moment that m- music sting happens, you can just see in Daniel's eyes all of his patience for this man is gone. Right? Just, and, nope, and now we're done. And now you're dead to me. <laughs> Remember how much I used to love watching uh, Over and Over uh, Bob's Burgers? Uh-huh. There's this episode that talks about how there, he has, a, like, a 15-minute limit with how much interaction he can take at a time with his dad. And it's always, like, they're just peacefully coexisting, and you can, like, see the timer down in the corner, like, four, 14 minutes and, like, 49 seconds, and you can see, like, one time they're just sitting there looking at his, his his own restaurant, his first, like, own business. And his dad looks up the sign and goes, like, so, says something along the lines, like, you couldn't get a better sign or anything. And it's just, like, something kind of sh- slightly shitty. And it happens to be, like, right at the 15 mark. <laughs> and Bob just responds with, okay, Dad, nice to see you. Let's go. Let's get <laughs> Just, like, okay, nope. And he does that 15 minutes is each time is the moment he just goes, head snaps up, just, nope, and we're done. Moving on. Uh-huh. So I get it, and I love it. And this is kind of that feeling I get where it's like, you can just literally hear the ding, and him just going, and I am cooked. All right, we are done here now. Let's move on to the portion where you tell me where the fuck my wife is. Yeah, no, I love the fact that, like, the moment, like, you hear the snap, like, where he's like, "Mm -mm, nope, this man is dead to me. I will torture him myself. I don't give a fuck. Dude, he literally says it so calmly, too. Like, if you don't tell me, I will kill you here. And I was like, I believed him. Yes, I believe him. I believe him. But before that happens, just to, like, because obviously, Apophis didn't realize he'd done this, but in saying they they are one and the same, he dug the knife into Daniel so, in response, Daniel just leans in close and just goes, I know where your child is. Oh, it's so creepy. What I love is right before that is, you know that joke with, um, that was the moment Greg knew he fucked up? I, yes! I, I, my thought was, and that was the moment Greg didn't know he had fucked that up. That he fucked up. Because <laughs> he says something and the snap happens and I'm like, ooh, Greg, no. <laughs> didn't realize he did not realize until daniel says by the way i know where your kid is which is how you know he's a fucking sociopath because who the fuck uses their kid as a weapon like demonic possession aside he knows that apophis considers it for some reason his son yeah so he literally uses it as Mm -hmm. such and i'm like damn that's fucking cold yeah sorry i can see you can say your thing now sorry Oh, no, that was just because, like, I agree with you 100%. I just, it's, 
Yeah, it's the moment Apophis didn't realize he'd fucked up. And I just, it's such a cold delivery. Dude, it's his- so oh good. So, first off, I actually just accidentally skipped something. When they're talking about Sokar, it's really funny because I love Daniel's acting. Daniel's acting. I love Daniel's attitude. I love My- Michael Shanks' acting. Because he says, well, I don't know what he's up to lately, but he <laughs> used to live in ancient yes. Egypt. <laughs> and I lost it. I was like, lately. <laughs> it's like, ah, I love your snark. Oh, it, it hurts me inside. It's so good. After that, I, uh, I, this is the thing I texted you, which is this episode definitely for sure, but at least since we had the conversation about it and I've been paying attention to, they, they have established as of this episode the iris can be closed when the wormhole is established. Yeah, I did notice that. So why in the ever-loving fuck is it not standard procedure yet? I have brought this up before, and I thought it was just because maybe it wouldn't be able to withstand it. But guess what? It can. And I texted you, like, what, do they save three cents every time they don't use it? Like, uh, why I is it not standard idea. procedure to have the safety measure up first? I have an idea, and it might come wholly down to visuals in that it's a really cool effect to see the gate form. And if you have the lens there, you can't see it form. I, I don't find that answer acceptable. <laughs> I'm just saying it's no, no, no. I know exactly to be no. the answer. When I say I don't find it acceptable, I mean as if, I, as in, you're right. It's exactly yeah. what it was. And I do not find that acceptable. <laughs> I do not find that acceptable. That is that's dumb because that yeah. insinuates that they literally put the sake of prettiness over survival, and that mm-hmm. annoys me. Because again, just like they don't have any decontamination up, they have no shields up as a standard. Like all the Goa'uld we'll have to learn is that they these motherfuckers leave that thing open for a minimum of five seconds first, and they could have a fucking strike team in. Like dial, go, run. And then they have a strike team on the goddamn ground. And let's say they get annihilated. Let's say you do that a few times. You're going to start wearing thin some fucking humans if they don't start closing their goddamn garage door. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It hurts me inside every time. From now on, every single time I watch a gate, unknown traveler gate in, and they do not have that iris closed, I'm going to cry every time now (laughs) because that is officially the stupidest thing I'm going to see on screen every single time. Uh, and it's so, only season two. I'm I'm doomed. So before Daniel can prove that he's wholly willing to torture this man to find out where Shade is, uh, yeah. Sam interrupts. <laughs> For the life of me, I can't remember the scene. Maybe it'll come to me. But there's a scene where somebody. Oh yeah, that's why I can't remember. It's from God. It's a James Bond. It's the bad James Bond. It's dying the other day. Where he's in a clinic and he starts squeezing some guy's IV bag as a torture thing. And I'm like, ugh. But it's like, it, I kind of expected Daniel to start doing something like that, you know? Where yeah. he just, like, starts, like, starts squeezing. Like, I expected him to, like, lean over and start grabbing pins out of the guy's leg at any second. I was like, I was prepared yeah, to see some he gross. Was, he was 100% willing. Because that if was the last note come before in. I catch up is him going, watching Daniel go scary quiet. Quiet is intensely awesome. Because yeah. Michael Shanks' acting is terrifyingly good in this. It's gross. It's creepy watching him get scary. Yeah. But yeah, so she she stops him from killing a man in cold blood. By accident, just by walking in. <laughs> but then, like, as she interrupts him, like, Apophis has, like, a pain jolt anyway. So I'm like, so maybe Daniel has psychic powers. Maybe, maybe out of shot his hand is working on one of those pins. Oh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yuck. Because, <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know, man, the timing there is really interesting. So, uh... 
<laughs> and then my next note is, I cannot believe I was right about the damn Sagan box. That was mostly a joke. <laughs> so basically find out that the Toker tossed the Sagan box through the wormhole. <laughs> I'm going back. I said, yeah, uh, Jesus fucking Christ, they really did use the Sagan box as a message box. There have to be better ways. There have to be. There ha- Why? <laughs> That's just- God, that one right there, I, if they keep repeating that, that is going to be competing for dumbest thing I see on screen every time. Like, that just- Oh my God. That hurts. That's funny. That hurt. That is a precious object right there. That is literally a symbol of a handshake. You know, this is a symbol of friendship, and you are tossing it through like a fucking frisbee. Yep. <laughs> I love it. It's I hate it. It's stupid. It, it's so stupid. It's not beautiful to me. <laughs> it's just painful. I cannot believe you were right. I'm so mad. Yeah, I can't believe I was right either. Like I said, it was mostly a joke. Uh, uh, but yeah, so the Toker come through, and of course Martooth is there. Uh, he's got a better haircut this time. J.R. Bourne is so good. I can't, it's kind of like I with Michael Shanks, actually. So just like with Michael Shanks, Michael Shanks, okay, that's a lie. Michael Shanks is more often than not, on my meter, I tend to lean towards more hot than cute, depending on how he's acting. Uh-huh. But with J.R. Bourne, I can never decide in any given scene if I find him adorable or hot. Because it's just you don't wanna... everything about him. If you don't want to be confused about which uh, side he falls on, just watch him in Teen Wolf, because he's just always hot in that. We should move on before I yeah. incriminate myself. <laughs> Alright, so, uh, the Toker have come through to warn the SGC that they have to put a Papa's back on the planet or so help me. <laughs> okay, every time you say or so help me, I want you to know my life has been ruined by Pixar, because all I can hear is Billy Crystal style. Or so That's help me! I said it. Oh, fuck Put you. that thing back. Put that thing back where you found it, or so help me. That's literally why I said it, because I was thinking of that part. So while, uh, while they're warning SGC, Teal takes this moment of distraction to go find Apophis' room and just stare at him menacingly in the dark. So speaking <laughs> of screen presence, dear lord, Teal, you are the stuff of nightmares sometimes when you want to be, motherfucker. Oh my god, that was terrifying. That was menacing. That was good. It was oh. so good. It makes me makes me sad for Bane because Bane could have used some of this in, so, could have used some of this intimidating cinematography. I yeah. know how to speak words. You sure? No. <laughs> okay. So it's it's a very brief scene, but it was very like normally I hate those like ten second scenes, but this one was important, so yeah. I don't I don't care. No, this one I like. To to be fair, you know I'm usually the first person to bitch about like oh now we're here, now we're there, now we're here again, now we're there. What was the fucking point? You know um, I'm usually the first one to whine about that. Maybe I'm just you know maybe I'm falling into that you know that trap I do where like I've acknowledged if I have a fondness for somebody I tend to give them all the more credit yeah so I just give all the more credit to Peter DeLuise I don't care if about the abruptness of it I don't care about the briefness of it I don't care about the either I care about neither the abruptness nor the brevity of the moment I appreciate it for what it is because I love Christopher Judge yeah here's the thing no like like I said I don't tend to I don't tend to enjoy like the the 10 second scenes but like Normally, it's because it's, like, in a matter of time where we went downstairs to Jack and Commander Dickhead. 
for like a pointless exchange of like, oh, how long have they been gone? Blah, blah, blah. You know, that kind of thing. It's like that we didn't need that, you know, but like this scene was good. So like, I don't care that it's 10 seconds of a, of an interlude. And honestly, to be fair, and also it's used as a good scene transition because we have Martooth and the other two Tok'ra who don't get names because they don't matter um, <laughs> come through the gate and they go, hey, you need to put Apophis back. Then we cut to Teal'c looming menacingly over Apophis. And then we cut to the briefing room. So it was a transition nice. for Martooth's group. So it worked. Yeah, Not no. only was it a well-shot scene that just works on its own, but it was also useful as a transition. So it honestly works really well. Apparently Eric could hear when uh, Martooth came on screen because that, that screen because apparently I I was high pitched when I went Martooth. <laughs> nice. Uh, but that was how excited I was to see him. I was like, oh, that's right, he's in this. I forgot. <laughs> so uh, Martooth is basically, you know, talking about the issue, and my note here says Martooth is pushing hard to get Sam to look at him as boyfriend material. <laughs> I am eligible. Yeah, and I think. The humans are cool. <laughs> now he was he was trying so hard to be like, hey, y'all are fucking children, except you. You're not a child because I want to fuck you. But well, no, all no, the all other no, guys. This is actually the distinction <laughs> I want to make here. Martooth is actually being complimentary. Yeah. He's being to the he's humans. being good cop. Lantash is after bad he cop. does that. <laughs> Lantash comes in and is like y'all are stupid babies you know your knowledge of technology is too primitive blah blah blah, blah. my thing is more of you know abusing the messenger than anything because martuf is part of the battle <laughs> and martuf does have to have complimentary tastes to be you know part of this relationship yeah. with lantash so i tend to blame him sometimes for lantash's things this is true that being said i do kind of think that he's also because of his nature of being part of the toker i do think that he kind of echoes some of the sentiments here which is like y'all are being fucking stupid except you sam you're beautiful and i totally want to fuck you but hey, the rest of yeah. you, you're being no. fucking stupid. Like, he's just, no, like, directing thing. all I... the nice energy at Sam and all yeah, of his interactions. Like, he's kind of being pleasant in general, that... but with her, he's being horny. Yeah, no, no. But like I'm saying, like, he, he might think that, but he knows that Sam's not going to be happy to hear, you guys are too primitive, blah, 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 right. blah. So, like, he's not saying any of that. Yeah. And he's trying to compliment them to get her to... <laughs> see him as boyfriend material because as soon as Lantash does all this stuff where he's like hey oh he also suggests that beating Apophis was a mistake that upset the gold hierarchy hierarchy like the Toker just keep forgetting that it was either that or earth gets destroyed they continuously forget like they keep getting on 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 the humans about like defeating those motherships and like multiple times it makes times. no sense and it's earth, just dumb it's just dumb has to be like it was that or our planet yeah, was yeah. destroyed. You know what? You're right. Next time, I'll just let six billion people die. My bad. <laughs> Sorry. I'll bite the fucking bullet next time. Our bad. It's like, go fuck yourself. Yeah, like, after Lantash does the bad cop, Martuf immediately comes back in to apologize for him speaking okay. too roughly. Because so, he's trying to smooth over. He wants her to this, see him as boyfriend material. This is a good point here I was going to give to J.R. Bourne, because I think he does a great job with his acting. I like that I can get a feeling of the symbiotic relationship here, because I feel like when he's talking all flowery, I can literally see, like, almost as if his eye is subtly twitching or something. I can see Lantash going, Bitch, why are you being so nice? Oh my god, say it. 
it. No, you're not going to say this. No, don't say it. Don't say it. No, no. Fuck this. Fuck this. Give me the mouth. Give me the mouth. Give it. Come on. Come on. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. And then you can just finally see like him finish his sentence. And he's like, okay, one second. Eyes down. <laughs> and then eyes up. And Lantasha's like, Jesus Christ, you assholes. What's wrong <laughs> yeah. with you? Because he seems like he's been like held back. And I can like just see. Because I went back and watched the scene again. I wanted to see if I could like at the very least confirm bias it for myself. Because I kind of liked that interpretation. I wanted to see if I could get the, you know, if I was getting that feel for a reason. Yeah. And I just, I feel like, it, I feel like that was, I feel like that's what he was going for. Or at least I was reading into it well enough that it was funny enough for me to make it succeed. Because I thought it was fucking funny, that interpretation. I kind of got that feel. <laughs> just with, like, the urgentness of what of Lantash's yeah. speech compared to Martouf. Because Martouf was more, you know, as you were saying, you know, he was nice. But he was, like, he was just softer. And he was kind of, like, kind of like how you treat, like, a scared animal. He's like, no, 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 it's fine. We're all good. We're all friends here. Like, he's just trying to be pillowy with this condescension because yeah. he's not an asshole, you know? He knows he's in a better position, but he's not going to be a dick about it. But you can, like, see with the with the ferocity of Lantash's speech that he's kind of just, I feel like he was held back. So, yeah, I, I get the feel that he was just literally shouting, like, motherfucker, you're being way too nice. No, give me the mouth. Give it. No, no, now, 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 now. Just chanting at him until he got out. And I like that, because yeah, it feels more um, like, you know, like brothers sharing a body in this, and I like yeah. it. It gives the Tok'ra a very different feel. And I just, I really appreciated it for what it was as an element. So whether it was writing or directing or both, good job. Yeah, um, but basically Martouf winds up ultimately too. saying, like, you can't expect us to protect you from Sokar. And Jack's like, we don't. <laughs> Which is, like, fair. Like, <laughs> even the people they do manage to get allies from, especially if they're more advanced than Earth, are always, like, vaguely allies. Vaguely. Uh, so they show, Mar they bring Martouf to Apophis, and he doesn't understand why Janet would ease Apophis's suffering, and Janet just is like, what the fuck? I like, this is what I like about Janet, is that, you know, this is very accurate to a doctor, I think, is that it's not really a question, you know? It's yeah. just, it's that Hippocratic Oath thing. I'm actually kind of surprised, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised because here's the thing. Everybody knows that the doctor's oath is do no harm, right? Everybody mm -hmm. knows the Hippocratic Oath. It's a thing. Yeah. So it, not that I don't appreciate its presence in literature, in media. I just, I can appreciate that a show knows its audience enough to know that and people will probably know that as a thing. So mm -hmm. they just really, I just think this episode does a really great job of showing, not telling that phrase. Because yeah. at no point does anyone actually whip it out. No, she just no. says with everything else about her, bitch, this isn't even a question. I'm not yeah, going to hurt my patient. Like, what is job. wrong with you? This is not yeah. how this goes. So, yeah, I just, I mean, like I said, they kind of sidelined her, I feel like, into that box again where she's not really allowed to expand outside the doctor role, but at least she fucking does her shit right in yep. her doctor role. Like, I can appreciate the shit out of that. Yeah. Uh, so Apophis starts shouting for Amanet, and Daniel's expression is apocalyptic. <laughs> That's a good descriptor for it. I would agree with that assessment. Um, so he starts talking in ancient Egyptian, and Daniel's like, oh, I think this might be the host. And my note here says, Michael Shanks gets out of having to speak Egyptian by claiming he doesn't know what to say to him. <laughs> similar feel where I was like dude it's convenient as hell however I do I do actually applaud the accuracy of it because I think that would kind of startle you like 
What do you say? What do you yeah. say to somebody who's speaking no. ancient Egyptian? You now have confirmation. This guy has been held for thousands of years. That's shitty. <laughs> like, yeah. what do you say? No, I don't works, have a phrase handy. Just... <laughs> Knowing his refusal to pronounce things correctly, it's just funny. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a reason why he whispers it at the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, just say that. then we get an incoming traveler, and... They close the gate right away, and then it sounds very visibly like people are firing on the yes. gate. By um, the way, and there you go. You can close the motherfucking iris before the wormhole mm-hmm. opens, and what do you know? You're protected. And this is where we find out that apparently all the gold na- know how to dial Earth and just never do. <laughs> I say, I said it once, I'll say it again. Because apparently they all have something better to do. I... Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. I I I feel like that is awfully okay. convenient. I'm going to say it's definitely convenient, but I'm willing to accept it because of the fact that from the be- as soon as we found out that system lords were a thing, yeah. They were built as a sort of infighting group. Come again. They were as soon as we found out, you know, heard about system lords, from the beginning, we were basically told that they don't agree with each other and they fight with each other a lot. Oh, so, infighting. There we go. Infighting. I heard I heard inviting, like with a V. No, God, no. And I'm like, Mel, I'm going to need you to break this down for me. <laughs> no, like it's just been suggested that okay, they're probably cool. just no. usually busy Now we're on the same other. page. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with it. No, I just... and I'm not saying it's not convenient. It's still convenient. Yeah. Okay, as but long as we're on the same page there. I'm willing to accept it. As a convenience because we have well, from the beginning. Not just because I, that's literally what the show does. Uh, I guess I'm forced to agree. <laughs> uh, so Sam mentions the whole thing about nothing getting through the the, the the iris because of the micron distance. And they, they, they build up their new uh, trinium titanium alloy iris as well. Uh, but then right after she says, like, yeah, nothing's getting through... Suddenly we get the, we get this heat shimmer on the center of the uh, gate, and they're like, "What is that?" And then Martouf is like, "Well, you know, there's a micron of distance is still probably enough for subatomic to this get." This is where through. the show takes a casual stab at physics, and I just let it go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Sam asks if Sokar is firing a particle accelerator at the gate. Wasn't aware that sure. was a weapon. Why not? <laughs> Because, you know, that's just something you can easily build and easily just, you know... Ha- yeah, because particle accelerators are just, you know, ray guns. Yeah. It's a ray gun no, that yeah. also builds holograms. Listen, I'm not disagreeing with you on this. I don't actually know enough about physics. Like, this could actually be so far out of my yeah, league maybe. that it loops around back into making sense. And I just too don't, you know, just too ignorant to know. I'm willing to accept that. But at this moment in time, I'm going, uh-huh. <laughs> I don't disagree with you. Let's just say that. But yeah, so then he he uses the heat haze to make a creepy face transmission and warn them. So according to the trivia here, I just had it up. Shit. Here we go. Peter DeLuise, by the way, directs 56 episodes. Damn. So there you go. Get used to him. Get used to good shit. I, I honestly, I, I was like... Oh, wait, 78. To... According to the other trivia, Jesus. it's 78. I think 78 is covering Atlantis and Universe as well. Probably. So. 
I, I was like, as soon as I saw, like, the heat haze face, I'm like, well, this guy's got style, at least. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody does point out that this may or may not be continuity issue, because, here we go. So Car's image in the Stargate resembles, I, I didn't see this, but according to the trivia, his face resembles that of an Unas. I can kind of see with, like, the okay. eyebrow ridges. So let's say it is. There is nothing to suggest that I guess it, that it necessarily has to be, like, his face that's talking. Like, maybe he uses a messenger, you know? Like, mm-hmm. or maybe he, like, you know, he has apparently just particle accelerators handy, so maybe he also has particle accelerator image alterators handy as well. <laughs> and maybe yeah. he can just mold an image to do what he likes, you know? So there's really nothing to say that he isn't, at this point in time, occupying a Nunas. However, if you want to say that he is, this means that at some point he was already in a body, because it later is established he, are, he was in a human body and has been for quite some time. So he was already in a human body that he likes to exit just to make dramatic messages. Yeah. And then goes back into his other creepy one. I, I don't know. All I know is, according to the trivia, apparently it was meant to resemble an Unos. If that is so, I'm oblivious. I did not catch it. I just thought he was going for Satan-y. <laughs> yeah, I just went, I thought it was just a Satan-y thing, but yeah. I can kind of see that. So, uh, <laughs> Sam asks Martooth, do you have any solution for this? And he's like, no. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but at least he's like, honest. Ask Apophis. Huh? At least she's honest. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, well, we have to ask Apophis. You know, we, we have to ask everyone we have. And so Tilt goes with her this time. And uh, this is, uh, this is, again... A proof of Peter DeLuise giving the actors the space to just make their characters even better in this episode. Because they go to talk to Apophis and Sam's like, you know, Sam's there with the Teal'c. And Teal'c immediately, as soon as he sees Teal'c, Teal'c, Apophis, as soon as he sees Teal'c, is like, I will not speak to the Sholva. And you just get this moment of Teal'c's eyebrow and, like, slight head tilt. Like, you don't have a choice. <laughs> I know. His face, his entire body language is just, like, to a kitten. Like, oh, that's cute. Yeah, exactly. It's so good. No, his acting, like I said, his presence is so on point this, ep- this episode. He doesn't have a lot of dialogue, but he doesn't need it. No, no. Because he's given the space to own it without yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. No, I uh, appreciate But then Teal'c I also do have a note. That the old man makeup for Apophis is not bad. Dude, I stand by it. This show loves its old man makeup. Jesus, like, what <laughs> is this? They just, every opportunity to, to whip it out, apparently. Maybe they what had a is really that? good makeup artist I on I guess. On they team. were just, it's like every other episode is, guess what time it is? It's old man <laughs> makeup time. Do-da, do-da. Dude, it, it was last episode. They it was had... last episode. They just coated fucking yeah. Michael Shanks with it. I think they replaced whoever they turn. had in season one, because that old man makeup was bad. Maybe they were just trying to make up for it. There's a lot to make up for in that episode, so I don't know why yeah. they're trying with the old man makeup. <laughs> so, uh, Sam cuts straight to the chase and is like, hey, do you have any solution for this particle beam thing? And Apophis is like, no, that's how Sokar got to me as well. Implying that, for some reason, he can't dial for shit for some reason. Like, at least the humans have a reason why they can't dial and save themselves. Why Why did this get used on him? Why was this a problem? Uh, it's a weird uh, line of dialogue. Well, again, it just bugs well, me. Remember how we talked about how most of the gold are probably slow dialers because they, no th- no, they have nothing to be worried about? You're telling me despertism doesn't get you to dial faster? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, this so, is really bad at typos. Like I every time, also, every time they had a window, they're like, "Shit, wrong symbol. Fuck, missed dial." 
Exactly. So I like that Sam trusts Teal'c enough to just leave him alone with Pothis at this point. I, I don't feel like this was her most smart decision. <laughs> well, she trusts him. I, he like, he would have Teal'c doesn't kill him, so like just <laughs> try to torture him. I know. Uh, so she begrudged. Do she doesn't. Even, I just like how you just go. I know, and move on as if there's nothing to say there. Listen, she trusted him. Maybe she shouldn't have. There we go. That's <laughs> all I needed. I just like how you're like. I know. Anyway, <laughs> it just um, cracked me up. But yeah, I. This exchange is so good, especially this part in particular, where Tilk just like looming over Apophis yeah, in the dimly the right lit word. room just goes. This day will become a holy day on Shulak, the day of your death. Okay, so I have a problem with this, and I'm going to tell it to you. It's now a twofold problem, actually, because thanks to you pointing out that Chlorel is conspicuously absent from this, it makes no sense that there's nothing to, um... No one mentions here this this power vacuum that's going to be left by Apophis, so I like how Teal'c is just, like, under the impression that nobody is going to move in and take possession of Shulak. I don't think that's particularly okay. I'm not. Here's the thing, I do think it's a, I do think it's Catherine Powers just not thinking about. That's what it. I mean. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean it like that. I mean it. It's a flaw. This is like yeah. this is convenient fucking dialogue. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Aren't you leaving something out here? Like the fact that the the Goa old like are fighting over planets. Like it's a thing they do. They like the resources, and they would totally make sense to move in on the capital planet yeah, of your no, enemy. Like what? Why are you assuming Chulak is left alone here? What the no, fuck? No, no, no. You you didn't let me finish my my point on this. My point is, I do think, on Catherine's end, it has a lot to do with the same sort of forgetfulness she had with families or what yeah, was she's it? a what bad writer. Families? Fem, family, <laughs> family, whatever. The one oh, no. where he went back, blood ties. And just, like episode. conveniently remembered he had a family on Chulak again. That definitely speaks of that of her her being unable to like really think ahead with Chulak at all. But I don't know how much of this we can blame I on her and how much it is the show not telling her shit. But still, still, you're not wrong. I think ultimately on Tilk's end, he's thinking ahead to the future. Where all Jaffa are free. You know, I didn't think of it from, like, him thinking to the future. I was thinking him thinking it, like, I was thinking him thinking it. That's a sentence. I was thinking he was interpreting it as, like, a, like right now, tomorrow, next week kind of thing. And maybe, no, I, maybe you're right. Maybe they were going for more more futuristic interpretation, and I just made yeah, my own Yeah, I feel like it was more of an idealized future, yeah, like, okay. goal kind of thing. Especially because... I mean, that tracks. next... Is that, like, Apophis tries to be like, oh, well, you're still a slave to the symbiote in you. But then Teal'c Reverse Uno's him and is like, no big deal. We'll just get a new one when this old one starts dying on us. Dude, I love we'll him saying- We'll use you guys yeah. like you used us. Dude, we're gonna farm you. And it's like, ugh. Creepy, but that's a terrifying revenge that I don't entirely judge him for doing. Especially well, I mean, since it's, the, sur he's, it's survival. It's, he has it's, to. it's literally the Goa old dug this grave and now they get yeah, to exactly. lie in it. They, this, is, this, is, this is a problem of their own making. So yeah. it looks like they get to suffer the consequences. Mm-hmm. So creepy yeah, for so children. Like, I, I know the genetic memory insinuates that they're, like, I guess, guilty from birth. 
but uh-huh. it does kind of interpret this as like, hey, guess what? A bunch of children are going to be farmed, by the way. Hope you're yeah. down with this. Just FYI. Yeah, so that's why I feel that's why I feel like with that stacked on top of it, I feel like on Teal'c's end of things, at least, he's not talking about, yeah, like, tomorrow I'm going to go to Chulak and tell everyone you're dead and everyone's going to celebrate. I think it's more of a, when the Jaffa are free, this will be a holy day. Because it was the first step towards our freedom. You know, yeah. that kind of thing. No. I like that, so let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> Whether they meant to or not, that's what it means now. <laughs> Fuck yeah. We do that a lot with this show. Uh, Nothing wrong with that if it works. Yeah, so then we get Teal suggesting they use a pot. Oh, so basically Janet comes in to give him more morphine or whatever, and Teal's like, why not not give him some and use the pain as a way to get him to talk? And Janet's like, no. I do like it. She says it. She's very calm here. I do like how she said it because she says yeah. it very, very politely. Please move, Teal'c. And to his credit, he does. I don't, okay, I wrote this in and I don't know what it was, what it had to do with anymore, which is upsetting. But somebody, probably Teal'c, judging by the uh, formation of the words, says that time is no more. And it's a great moment of delivery. Oh, yes, 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 yes. So, it's when he's standing in her way and uh, Apophis says, there was once a time when you would die for me, Teal'c. There we go, there we go. Okay, yes. And And then he he says that time is no more and the delivery is amazing. Chilling. Chilling. I loved his... Oh, God, I'm glad you made that note because it's a great scene. I... Adore his acting in this. He is so good. He is so terrifying with that slow lean in, and he gets real mm-hmm. close, and then he just so calmly says that it is no more. And it's like that time is no more, and it's like okay, yep. okay, okay. I'm just gonna go over here and cower now. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's real good. And it's then he really leaves, good. and that's yeah, because she told him that you know please move, and so he says that, and then he moves because he respects Janet. Yes, good for him. I was afraid the scene was going to go down a different route, and I was happy to see it not. So, here's the big, huge moment of disappointment for Catherine, in my mind. Yeah? So, Sam's back, and Apophis senses the leftover Jolinar juice in her. Ah, yes, this scene is gross. And says, you would make a good new host for his wife. I'm like, thanks for the implied threat of rape, Catherine. Yep. We really needed that in this yep. episode. You in were case, doing so well until now. In case you forgot that she is the worst at writing for female characters. Yay. I just, I can't. Hate I'm it. just, I can't. I can't. Let Amanda Tapping have more than, more to act with If you wanted garbage. to be Come sinister on. about the occupation of your brain by, by Go Old, you could have just implied that, like, you all will make good hosts. Because that would have done that level of terrifying. And but instead, no, you went the extra element. for a queen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, implying, you know, the worst fate. Selected sexual slavery, which is mm-hmm. just fucking lovely. But yet, so just, why are you in this zone of toxicity, Catherine? This is unnecessary. So, uh, at the gate room, the particle beam thing is still going through, and at this point, they've got Siler and a couple other people, like, in protective heat suits, just, like, spraying it down with, I'm assuming, just water? I assumed it was liquid nitrogen. Okay, that makes a little bit more sense. I, I, I did say just something, because I didn't it know. It seemed dumb to be spraying that much liquid nitrogen liter- liberally into a confined space, so that's why I thought it was just water and they were just trying to 
cool but down that way. the equipment they were wearing just made me assume like the two I itself. I thought they were wearing that equipment. Well, no, no, no. Sorry, specifically the, to protect them. From I should the have heat. said wearing. I should have said wearing. I meant the, uh, the I meant the equipment they were using. The uh, the tube. The, the the specific apparatus they were using okay. made me think it was more industrial, more heavy duty. And I've seen somewhat similar material used uh, glove wise, what they were to what they were wearing. By, like, the mad scientists who would play with liquid nitrogen to show us shit. Um, I mean, and, like, I'm willing to believe so. it. And it, that's I, a, that, that is also a super cooling material, so I figured that was just Yeah, yeah. Cool. That's why I'm willing to believe it was liquid yeah. nitrogen. I just don't know. They, or somehow something liquid. dry ice. That would be pretty useless, I think, because that shit's cold, yeah. but it's not that cold. So, yeah, they're spraying it down, but it's still getting even hot. It's, it's getting hot even in the dialing room at this point. Like, you see the people standing in the dialing room sweating. I love the sauna effect on the glass that helps them cut down on CGI cost. Yeah. Uh, so, apparently... Oh, this is... Okay, this is the part where I... I like, it's been a little while, so I'm not sure if my memory is right here or not. So, at first, I get mad at this episode because I'm like, apparently they need to Daniel to suggest the obvious dial-out-themselves solution. Yeah! But everyone forgot the bit where the DHD dials faster than the gate. I... This episode but reeked of convenience. It's just notes. This this is a convenient thing. scene. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. Actually, no, I'm gonna wait because we're a, a couple notes away. So basically, I will say, Sokar does appear to dial faster than any other gold because we've seen them race gold dialing before, and they usually get to like five or like five symbols. They get to three, and he's done. Well, that actually would track. If he has a weapon that's designed to utilize the gate like this, it would track yeah. to me that he would have some sort of equipment, or at least, like, maybe, like, you know, like, the Minutemen from American Revolution history? Like, you yeah. know, they were the fastest at loading the muskets? Maybe it's like that. Maybe he has, like, you know, second men, people whose job it is is to, like, operate the fucking dialer right at the DHD, right the second it's supposed to go. Or has, you know, like, because they are way more future tech, maybe, like, a better macro. Yeah, or, or also, like, I did just think, like, he has an experience of getting kicked out by all the system lords. So maybe he's just in a slightly different headspace than the rest of the system lords who are used to being in charge and in control. To where he had to fight back, so he is faster. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense to me. It just My first immediate response there was that it was, that was no problem. It made sense that he'd dial that yeah. fast because it literally tracks that if he had a weapon that would have to be limited to 38 minutes each use... To, mm -hmm. it, to be effective, you'd have to have pretty much near continuous. So it makes sense that he'd have figured out a way to dial fast. Like, no, yeah, whatever it, it was, he would have figured this out. This is kind of elemental to its, uh, important to his point. That being said, the fact that a bunch of humans are able to immediately fix this problem does say something against my plan. But Well, here's the thing. So, um, they're also talking about how they have, they could also fear an attack from space. Again, because everybody knows where Earth is, apparently. Here, they can't dial out they could be attacked from space. He's a big risk. And to the point to where a little while ago, Hammond had decided to call his BFF, the president, to like be like, yo, we're being under attack. They want Apophis, blah, blah, blah. Here's all the information. And so the president was basically like, okay, you need to stop treating him and send him back. Yeah. And Janet's definitely not happy. But they're, I mean, ultimately... <laughs> It's between holding on to him or destroying the earth. <laughs> no, man, the person like, I feel the thing... worst for here is the host. Yeah, definitely, 100%. Which is why I appreciate that we get, like, a moment of closure with the host. Although, I mean, kind we find of. out later on, never mind. Yeah, never mind, but... But, <laughs> but they, they less, at least let us have that moment of closure on screen. Like, they took that time. And I'll get there when they get there. Because it's, it's, it's another really well shot 
scene. But, so yeah, they're just gonna have to send him back through. Uh, and Martouf points out that Sokar's busy fighting Haruur, which we have seen before, from, because he was also, like, dealing with Apophis. So, we know Haruur. Uh, so he won't care about them. If yep. they toss Apophis through, he'll leave them alone. But here's the part where I was like, as I was writing the note, I'm like, hold up, so this is actually really clever. Because Sam mentions possibly you know, getting a program to dial out faster. And I started to be like, like they haven't already made this solution. And then I realized, right. wait, that was in the alternate universe. Oh shit, you're right. I forgot. So Daniel's witnessed it, but I... no one else has. So it is a completely new idea in this universe. Goddamn, is that I an element of good writing then? Is that an element of good writing then? Because that's a good continuity bit then. Yeah, I don't know. It's wild, because, like like Fuck I said, me. I was mad at first. Like, you've already done this. You've already had to race against someone, and you already realized your dialing program <laughs> was was slower than a DHD. You right. already figured out you had to do a, a faster dialing sequence. What are you talking about? And as I was writing the note, I'm like, wait. Wait. <laughs> that was the alternate universe. <laughs> I forgot, too, so at least there's that. <laughs> So I, that was a, an amazing moment of realization for me. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, I guess it means it's good writing. What the fuck? I know. Catherine, where have you been? <laughs> Just weird. Uh, so Jack is super pleased to tell Apophis they're throwing him out like garbage. Yep. And so, of course, to make him feel kind of bad and off-put, as soon as he tells Apophis this, the hosts start speaking instead. Not that I'm against the fact that the host is speaking his native language, because at the very least, he's probably just, like, in shock, so he's probably just reverting to his original language, if my theory here is co even correct uh -huh. to begin with. But this was something that you and I had a bit of a disagreement about before, which was I wasn't entirely sure where the bridge was between knowledge and so forth. Now, there's nothing to insinuate here that the uh, Goa world is dormant insofar as actually just weakened, so he's no longer able to fully exert control. So mm -hmm. I am fully supporting the idea that there's still an active communication going on between the host and the symbi symbi yeah, symbiote. Symbiote. Therefore, allowing access between the host and memory mm -hmm. so let's just say that's true it's interesting to me that he's not speaking english because apophis knows english that being said there's also a ton of stuff that would t completely support him speaking his his original language the stuff i already mentioned not to mention the fact that who's to say there is still an active connection right now so I think it's cool. I love the element of anything no, that really makes cool. con anything that reminds me of the movie too. You know, it's always nice. I like continuity Hell in that yeah. general consensus area. So I'm not complaining. I just have questions. <laughs> yeah, we, I would we're just, always gonna have questions. I would just like to know where the line is. Once again, I just want to know for sure. Like from the writers, I would just like some on-screen information, please. But that yeah. being said, uh, I have no idea if what he's saying is correct. I know nothing about Egyptian, the language. No. But yeah. We do get a brief moment back at the gate where they're still trying to uh, get the the gate temperature down. And Hammond's starting to talk about how, like, look, we can't keep people in there much longer. Um, and poor Siler. I was like, please, let Siler. God, let he's abused, man. This guy better get some damn good hazard pay. Yeah, I was. Th I literally thought that. I'm like, he's got to have some really good fucking insurance through this company. 
Seriously, they better pay him more than minimum fucking wage for the amount of work he puts he in. Better. Not to mention the fact he's like their head person. Like he is the guy that yeah. saves their ass. He mm-hmm. speaking of people who need to be main cast, the guy who's consistently saving your ass should be getting more recognition. Absolutely. So, uh, then we get back, and finally Daniel's going to agree to speak Egyptian. Michael Shanks is like, fine, I guess. <laughs> uh, and yeah. so he decides to play translator for the host at first, and, like, he's basically talking about how, like, the host, his memories of being a host are just basically, like, this, like, vague nightmare. Which sucks. And he talks a little bit about his, his past, like, who he was before this and everything. And then Daniel starts talking back to him and reassuring him and basically promising to do burial rites for him. Dude, this is where I lost my uh, composure a little bit because honestly, this is where I was like forced to admit, oh wait, this episode doesn't really just really doesn't actually suck at all because yeah, Peter Williams, I think that's the guy. Uh, he does he does a good job here. Let me just say that because this is around the time that the old man makeup starts to get a little intense too, and um, I I I feel so bad for this guy. I feel so bad oh, for him yeah. in this scene. Like I was tearing up, you know, when he's like talking about how all he wanted to do was just like wake up and see his wife and children again. And I was like, oh fuck mm-hmm. you, man, fuck you so hard. Do not do this to me. Oh my god, you mean the family that died ten thousand years ago? Yup. <laughs> like that. Ha. That hurt me. And then he starts yeah. talking about like you know ferrying his soul to the you know the gates where he'll see his family again. I'm like just like stop, 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 <laughs> stop. This is unnecessary torture. Okay. Don't torture prisoners and don't torture me. It's just a simple <laughs> thing I ask for, okay? So, uh, we get basically a one-minute warning uh, to the next window where they can try and dial through again. Yeah. And right before Apophis is about to die, he tries one more time and just, like, croaks out like a help. And Jack's <laughs> just like, no. No. And then Apophis is a host and Jack's, no. You know, credit to him, at least here he softens his voice a little bit, because he's not, like... Yeah, even well, at this point... It feels I, more like, like beating I, on a, a dying old man at this point, I bet, so it's a little harder to be a bitch. Yeah, this is why I feel like they did that on purpose, where when he was, like, trying to shit-talk Apophis, like, yeah, we're just gonna let you die and send you back through. The fact that the host spoke up instead, I think kind of reminded Jack... Yeah. That there's a person there. Oh, you know? yeah. Which I can't is why after forget about he that speaks anymore. more gently. Yeah. yeah. So Apophis dies, but the host is still alive just long enough for Daniel to give him, like, his last rites. Oh, we gotta give Peter Williams another credit there because I actually, uh, I don't, I, I don't have sympathy for, for Apophis here. Don't get me wrong, but. No. He'll get as close as he'll ever get to me when Peter Williams does a great job of his eyes doing a long last burning and he says, I am afraid. Yes, yes, that, that was as really good. he literally good, yeah. fades away, as he burns away. That was cool. Watching him burn away was a nice du- directing touch. That was, wow, that was good. I, mm, I, mm, I liked that. That was good. <laughs> so, no, it was very good. It was also just really well acted. Somehow he really pulled off what is usually just so fucking cliche. It's usually just, really, it's usually just cliche after cliche after cliche with how they're acted out and done and so dramatic. And it's like, yeah, your body was taken, but your lord, you're taking my will to watch. Um, yeah. It's that kind of stuff. But no, 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 no. No, he does a great fucking job here. And I just wanted to give him that extra bit of kudos right there for the last the last dying breath of Apophis because we get Absolutely. the we get this really sad touching scene again with the goddamn dying host. But first, I wanted to touch on how good Apophis's death was. Well, okay, this is actually another moment of amazing directing from Peter Deloise. 
because um, what I love about this is, again, we do a lot of, like, quick cuts between scenes. Yeah. But instead of it being, like, God damn it, just settle in a scene and let something happen. <laughs> yeah. What he does is he cuts between the soft, quiet, intrinsic moment of Daniel giving last rites to this host and the speedy, high-tense situation of them doing the speed dial for the gate. Yes, I And they keep intercutting between it, and I fucking love it. It's so yeah. well done. Yeah, no, that does cut. Yeah, yeah you're right. It's, it's, a, it's a cool, it's a very interesting uh, dichotomy they show, and I like it as well. Yeah, like, this is how you do it right, man. It was real good. Yeah, no, he's, uh, he's a good director. He's a good yes. director. He doesn't keep, there's, I think there's a reason why they brought him back so much. So the gate opens, um, Teal'c sends Apophis' body through, and I do appreciate that, like, I think because of the fact that Apophis died before the host, everyone who had, like, no sympathy for Apophis was just reminded that it's not just Apophis here. So, like, when they send him back through, they wrap him up, and yeah. Teal'c, like, gently sends him through the gate. There's no like, reason there's to beat up a given. corpse. Yeah. Plus, people always just have that thing where it's like, Especially when it's human remain, uh, human remains. You know, I, I don't know how people would act around alien remains yet. I have yet to yeah. witness this personally, but you know, there's just that always that inherent respect you have to give to a corpse because it's mm-hmm. otherwise you're just desecrating a corpse. You know, it's, yeah, absolutely. It's really fucked up. Anything other than gentle treatment is automatically just ooh no bad bad. Like right now, I'm playing Death Stranding. Right, slowly. <laughs> Let me just put it to you. It's terrifying i have heart attacks i'm mixing it up with all my eight billion other games i'm playing but every time i play it i'm forced to remember that because it has a great intro mission like the first thing you have to haul is your dead mother because you have to burn bodies immediately otherwise they attract bad things i i'm a sucker i'm just easy i guess because it's (laughs) like it's a gorgeous fucking game right and the camera kind of pans away as you're like slowly doing this somber climb up a mountain to a crematorium and this extremely stereotypical, repetitive, kind of, like, deep, calm, jazzy, kind of, like, acoustic guitar music plays in the background. But I kind of like it, because it's, like, <laughs> sad. And it's a bleak landscape with bleak rain, and you're carrying your dead mom. <laughs> and it's, like, it just, it's moving. Mm-hmm. And, but the whole thing is that my first attempt, I actually deleted my file and restarted because I was so embarrassed about having this on record. Because I was so bad at climbing across one of the creeks in the very first attempt at this that I slipped off the creek and dropped my mom's body into the into the water like four times. <laughs> it was bad. Her body got Beautiful. beat up, and I felt so bad for the fake body beating that I restarted the game. <laughs> That's amazing. So, yeah, I get this, you know, fragility thing. It just feels yeah. so wrong. So, yeah. So, uh, as they're all, like, kind of somberly, you know, sending him off, and like, well, at least he's dead, blah, 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 Martube has to ruin it by reminding them that the sarcophagus existed so Car can just revive Apophis again and just torture him all over again, and everyone yep. gets uncomfortable. <laughs> God, that poor host. Can you imagine you finally think you're gonna get to go to your heaven, and then, nope. I know, that poor host. God, I, uh, let's, yeah, let's finish this. I'm, I'm sad again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're basically done. So basically, um, Martuth give, uh, gives SGC a way to contact them this time, and it's the Tolan tech that uh, was used to contact the Nox. And they stopped giving him free frisbees. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I do, I do like that, like, he's like, when, when uh, Daniel points that out, which he would because he's the one who saw it in the first place because the Tolan only liked Daniel. But when he points that out, he's like, oh yes, we are friends with the Tolan and the Nox. And we are friends with the Tauri. Basically, like, taking that one extra step. Like, we're, like, actually buddies now, you know? We're still probably going to be condescending to you sometimes, but... But in exchange, Jack gives Martufa GDO for the IDC code, so we don't have to play around with the Sagan box nonsense anymore. Uh, yeah, you know what? You, you just said it right. I'm going to call it that from now on. I'm a, the number pad itself can be called a GDO, but the code it sends is the IDC. Is the IDC. It's yeah. the only thing that's going to get my sanity through this intact. Okay, so that's it for the episode. That is that's, it. That's basically the it. Yeah. They send Martufa out, and we're done. Yep, Sam, and this last shot is him and Sam. Sam and nice Sam I am and and JR Bourne are at the base of the gate doing a, a goodbye chat as it goes to black. Yeah. So uh let's go through all of our things. Uh the only one who died in this episode was Apophis, and he's probably gonna come back later. Listen, I don't think SG I mean, aside from Teal'c with his weird ass stare down, and then Jack with yeah. his later stare down, I guess those yes. are the only two that actually kind of made a pass at let's die this week episode. Yeah, nobody nobody even Nobody even gets injured. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, no, we only get shot, no one well gets a done, concussion. Kids. Yeah, nice job, guys. Let's let's keep it up. Uh, yeah. So, uh, are you a Jack or a Daniel? I am a Daniel in this episode. I believe in rights. <laughs> yeah. So I'm expressly against Jack's opinion of things. I don't care how I don't I know your son of sorts was taken. I get it, but human rights exist. Sorry. Just rights exist. Sapient species rights exist. I don't give a fuck. You shouldn't have to have a piece of paper that says it. To make it so, okay? It's just, fuck you. It's just a fact. Moving on. You're not wrong. Moving on to, you know, past that entire ethical thing. Uh, I, I, I'm Cleopatra, so I love the leaning. Yes. And I just appreciated the lately more than anything ever. I don't know what he's been up to lately, but um, yes, that was I lost my good. shit at that. That was so fucking funny. So yeah, I'm a Daniel. And I definitely think that, like, for us, yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm definitely a Daniel as well. And... I feel like ultimately what it comes down to, the difference between the two of them in, like, how they react to Apophis is, A, Daniel tends to just be more pragmatic than Jack in general. Mm -hmm. But there's also the fact that, like, this episode at least gives us a reason for Daniel having that switch off where he's like, you're fucking dead to me with Apophis. Right. Whereas they forget about Chlorella and Scotta. Right. So Jack's just kind of like... Why are you this angry, and why do you want him dead like this, you why know? Why are you like this? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think we're both Daniel Daniels for this episode. Cool beans. Uh, so, Joaquin Phoenix. Thumbs up. Yeah. You know, despite Catherine Powers' attempts with a couple of things here and there, it was actually a well-written episode, I think. Not bad. It was yeah, not a bad episode. And like... it was very well-directed, so I have nothing but appreciation oh, for it. very good. I have uh, a lot to say direction. negatively about it, because I always have negative things to say, but uh, I have appreciation for it as well. Yeah, I would say, like, there was definitely, like, what, three big points of Catherine. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, like, that's, that's an in accurate general, statement. A very well-constructed episode. I, uh, I said... I mentioned last episode that I thought that Tor, you know, Alexander Valenza, Valenza. yeah, um, I, I, I thought that he could have used a female editor. I also think Catherine Powers could have oh, used yeah, a female 100%. editor. I, um, 100%. I don't think they uh, understand some of the things they uh, write about as well as they should, which no. is sad. That being said, I do not usually care for Catherine Powers' writing. You know this uh, yeah. to be so, <laughs> but this is not really a bad, that, that 
much of an example. She has a few bad elements in there because she, of course she does. But overall, it's actually a pretty good episode. And again, I fucking love how it's directed and acted. It's a good episode. Yeah, I was actually on that on that note. Do we want to add Peter DeLuise to the Director Hall of Fame? You know what? Fuck it. First try. Nice job, dude. Yeah, I. I'm sure like he'll said, have a I couple love, of duds, but seriously, I love this episode. The just just on the the cutting between the rushed dialing and the quiet moment of of sending this guy to rest. That alone yep. was enough to be like, this needs to be. This is great directing. I agree. Awesome. Well, that is us done uh, for this week. Cool. Under three hours. Look at us. Let's do it. Let's finish it. Let's do it. Come on. Okay. So next week, we're going to be covering season two, episode 19, One False Step. We're excited about that. I love this episode. I did my, I can't, I don't like leaving clappy marks on the audio recording. So I always (laughs) have a quiet cat, but then I can't, but then I remember people can't see me. Um, No, seriously, I love this episode. I hope I don't grow do. to hate it. I hope I don't like see anything in it, like from like a yeah, critique standpoint that like ruins it. Because I have yeah. nothing but fond memories of this episode. So yay right. next week. So if you want to get a hold of us, you can find me on Twitter at it's Mel Not Liss or our podcast Twitter at Point of Origin PC. You can also email us at pointoforigincast at gmail.com or write something on the side of a tissue box and toss it through the nearest wormhole. Or apparently on an expensive Sagan box, whatever. <laughs> You can find links to things we talked about during the show in the show notes. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you for joining us on our incursion through the iris. And until next time. <laughs>